This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on this side, doing what we can on this program to uh, help you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the show. Man, we got a great one today. We are locked and loaded. We will be talking about the cyber war. Do you know that you may just be one attack away from losing all of your technology? Then you'd have to just, I don't know, talk with your family? <laughs> Heaven forbid. So uh, we will be talking with an expert on cyber war. And uh, you may not even know it, but uh, apparently the United States, according to the New York Times, the United States may have already had a, uh, a cyber attack planned to carry out on Iran if they hadn't gotten the deal, the nuclear deal with Iran. We'll be talking about that today. A cyber war that could shut down their grid, that could shut down their power grid, that could take away uh, um, their internet, could do a lot of stuff, a lot of damage. Which you think about it, the financial markets are all in play. Mm. We'll be getting into that a little bit later with a true blue pro um, who can walk us through, you know, the complexities of cyber war. Uh, also, um, we, you know, we're going to give you more tools, more solutions, help you hopefully deal with some of the real issues in your life. In hour number two, we'll be getting to our tech guru, Jay McFarland, in the What the Tech section. He's going to walk us through uh, a bunch of tech issues, including the FBI tech scandal, what's still going on with that with Apple. Uh, were Apple watches really worth it? We'll get into that. Tesla, we got it all. And uh, later in the show, actually the third hour of the show, we will be talking about you know ways that you can stay focused and make sure you're focusing on what's most important in your life. So we'll get to that uh, in the third hour. Plus, of course, we'll be visiting our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. All of that coming up over the next three hours. But first, let's get to the news with Joe Carson. Thank you, Matt. House Speaker Paul Ryan let America know once again in a Tuesday press conference that he really, really isn't running for president. I want to put this to rest once and for all, Ryan said. I do not want, nor will I accept the nomination of our party. Count me out. Though the Wisconsin congressman had already ruled out being the 2016 GOP nominee many times in favor of the party selecting its nominee from the pool of candidates who are actually running campaigns, some in the GOP establishment have continued to hold Ryan up as a level-headed alternative to Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Should neither candidate garner enough delegates to clinch the nomination before the party's nominating convention in July. Former United States Senator Bob Graham told the Tampa Bay Times that he received a phone call from the White House on Tuesday informing him that the previously declassified 9-11 papers are set to be released to the public. The 28 pages were classified by FBI request despite Graham's repeated efforts to get them declassified after learning that Saudi Arabian officials may have given money to hijackers involved in the attack in 2001. Russian billionaire Yuri Milner unveiled Tuesday his plans to spend $100 million on a probe that could travel to the star system Alpha Centauri, with backing from both Mark Zuckerberg and Stephen Hawking. In a press conference at the One World Observatory in New York City, Milner and Hawking revealed Breakthrough Starshot, a program laying the groundwork for unmanned interstellar travel to our nearest neighboring star system, with an estimated travel time of 20 years. 
The ambitious plans include a high include high level technology such as a star chip, proton thrusters, and a light sail propelling a miniature laboratory after being launched into space using lasers. A number of high-profile Republicans fearful of a potential melee in Cleveland this summer are considering skipping the Republican National Convention and campaigning back home instead. The decision underscores the dilemma confronting Republicans in being tied too closely to the top of the ticket, particularly incumbents from swing states worried about that worried that Trump's divisive candidacy and Ted Cruz's rigid brand of conservatism will doom their chances at keeping power in both chambers of Congress. Quietly, some officials in the highest rungs of Republican leadership are advising their rank-and-file members to stay away from Cleveland. Back to you, Dr. Townsend. Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> Recommending you stay away from Cleveland. Yes. I mean, I was going to say that's not the first time somebody's recommended stay away from Cleveland. Well, but specifically for the convention. Oh, for the convention, because we've been talking up Cleveland. Well, you have. Yeah. It's a great I, place. I have never been. So. You haven't? No. We ought to go. I think we ought to take a tour and get on a get a van, mm. just a really small van. Yeah, and then you kind know maybe of, uh, BYU Broadcasting sends us across the country. Really? Yeah. And when will that happen? On the twelfth. Okay. Of never. <laughs> it could happen. Hey, uh, did I did I hear that right? That when they release these nine eleven papers, yeah, that we may find out that Saudi Arabia government gave money to hijackers. Yes. Oh, my word. This is new for you? Well, no, it's just newly going to be stated. It's newly confirmed. Confirmed. It's widely believed. I know, but this is where, you know, all the conspiracy theories come true. What is it? 28 papers? This is what they're talking about. 28 papers from the final report were removed. Yeah. And they detail what people believe is this association that we have, obviously, with Saudi Arabia, but their association with the people that... Yeah. Took down or committed the 9-11. Oh, boy. This is going to get very interesting. Um, But before that, Paul Ryan. So let me be clear. I do not want, nor will I accept the nomination for our party. If no candidate has a majority on the first ballot, I believe that you should only choose from a person who has actually participated in the primary. Count me out. He's out. For now. For now. Until they come to him and let him have weekends off or something. Well, he did this also when he was, you know, when they wanted him to be the 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 speaker. speaker, And he's like, I don't want it. I'm not. I don't want it. I'm not doing it. You're not going to make me do it. But um, this is different. He's the chairman of the convention. He he doesn't want to be the president, apparently. No, people want him to be. Right. But he can't be. It won't work. It won't work. Why won't it work? Because if Trump rides in there, let's say, with a 1,000 delegates. Okay. Which may happen. Very well could happen. And they're saying at this point it's looking tough for him to actually reach the total. Yeah. Go on. So he probably can't hit the 1237. Let's say he runs into a – gets a 1,000. Then apparently the chairman of the convention is eventually third, fourth, fifth, sixth ballot, whatever, going to be nominated. And then he wins, except there's still a 1,000 delegates – Maybe let's just say he Trump in the end couldn't really carry his delegates, which he won't be able to probably. Let's say he could carry 500 of his delegates. Okay. But he still has millions of voters. Hmm. How would Paul Ryan convert a Trump voter to the party? It's not going to happen. You need, you'd have to have an outsider that, that is like Trump. 
you would have to start the campaign over for that individual. It's not going to happen. Because you start with the introduce the candidate you know, yeah. phase of, of, the new of your campaign and you yeah. try to make sure everyone knows who you are. And by that point, you're so far behind. But, there's a, but the problem is people like outsiders apparently this year. Apparently. And Paul Ryan, wonderful guy. I think he'd be a killer president. Mm. Not an outsider. Not at all. He's the convention chair who apparently is making all of these rules that are stacked against – um, the Donald Trump is what Donald told us last night. I know the w- rules very well, but I know that it's stacked against me and by the establishment. You think they're actively them, working against you? I don't know. I mean, I don't see it. It's not like it's. I have uh, 15 miles of proof. I'll give you another example, though. I'm no fan of Bernie Sanders. Okay, I'm no fan at all. I, to me, he's you know, forget it. But every time I turn on, he's winning. He's winning every week after week. He wins. He wins. He wins. He wins. And then I watch you, and I watch all of the pundits. They say, but he can't win. You know why? It's stacked against him. It really is. It's stacked against him. In his case, it's superdelegates. In my case, it's the obvious. It's the obvious. It's the hair. Yeah. What's the obvious? It's the hair. I mean, Reince Priebus is like, this, these were his comments in response to, to what our good uh, Donald Trump said. Nomination process known for a year. This is what he tweeted. Plus beyond. It's the responsibility of the campaigns to understand it. Complaints now, question mark? Give us all a break. Period. Reince isn't having it. No. And Reince is between a rock and a hard place. He is because he's – you have the – what the, the established Republicans probably yelling at him. Yeah. And then he's got the Trump campaign saying, don't you do anything. We'll, well cause a riot. And he's got he's to present a candidate that's viable. He does. Or there will be no donor money. But at the same time, he has to kind of stay out of the campaign, right. let it happen yeah. without looking like he's got his hands in there and he's manipulating things, which he might be. Who knows? Well, how is Donald Trump complaining about the rules and because the rules Because it's chaining? not working for him at the moment. So obviously – He's not working the rules. Well, some people say he's not working. <laughs> that his campaign isn't doing the yeah. the groundwork, I guess you could call it, where you, you get in the individual – uh, areas and the cities and you start trying to drum up uh, excitement and get people going instead you you come in have your big event have your airplane fly by and then you go back to new york <laughs> he um he's invoking the name of bernie like, hey, i don't know bernie i don't like bernie whatever but he's using bernie as an example of how unfair this was but he knows he's not running against bernie no, but we, I mean his his points there. The superdelegates makes no, it sure. kind of unfair for Bernie on the Democratic side. Right, except, interestingly, Bernie now is tied in a new Reuters poll nationwide with Hillary Clinton. Opinion poll. Yeah. When it's delegates that count. Well, well it's exactly. But eventually there's this – Now, the superdelegates can little flip Bernie's their – Bernie's not leaving. He's not running away. No, and the superdelegates can flip their allegiance too. They're not – so. If, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet Bernie keeps progressing, keeps getting some mo- momentum, some movement. Some mo. Some mo. And then guess what? They're going to have a another, crazy convention. Another too. contested convention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is crazy. Hey, let's hear more about what Donald Trump – because they had one of the great um, – what do we call them? Forum? Town halls. Town halls. Except this, this, this time hall. around, CNN brings in the entire family because they already did town halls with all the candidates. Yeah. So they're trying to spin this up into some new content, and that is you bring in the families and have them talk, I guess. So uh, let's just hear – I guess Donald – let's just get this clear. Donald is owning the fact that his tweets are his tweets. Nobody's taking – nobody's tweeting for him but himself. 
It is a modern method of communication. And, you know, when I have 16 or 17 million people, when you add it up, uh, it gives me a big advantage over people. all that, your own tweets? Uh, and, and when somebody's I, I retweeted yes. from your account, you retwe- you've retweeted them. I would say yes. Do you actually sit there type or do you say something uh, and somebody else types? During the day I'm in the office, I just shouted out to one of the young ladies who are tremendous. I have a tremendous office staff and uh, Meredith and some of the people that work for me. And I'll just shout it out and they'll do it. But during the evenings after 7 o'clock or so, uh, I will always do it by myself. Hey, little lady, tweet this. <laughs> it's like, it sounds, he just, he probably doesn't mean to send, but that sounds a little condescending. I just have the, the little ladies. But he backs it up saying they're wonderful. They're wonderful. So I've got a great I, I, I think he's starting to hear what he's saying Good. and how it sounds. Yeah. Because he tends to try to fix it like immediately after he says it because if you learn this everybody could become a fairly good candidate if you just would learn just learn just listen and learn and just oh yeah we don't say that oh we got we need to think a different way there so he does all of his own tweeting after seven which is interesting because some of like the real mean ones were coming after seven like the megan kelly ones were coming after seven he's sitting on the couch just going oh this is ridiculous in a silk robe you can just see it he's sitting in a silk like a nice silky robe so he's like the rest of us watching tv and then we're just like oh i gotta say something he's actually he's actually associating with his advisors on cnn there you go watching them talk about things um Kasich, uh also on cbs he you know he's got a hard place here because nobody takes him seriously not at all but he might be what who paul ryan was saying you got if you're going to have somebody take over as the white knight of the party you probably ought to have somebody who's been in the race which is why he's hanging around which is exactly why he's hanging around let's uh, hear what his ideas are um, about his likelihood of being nominated the irony is you are the most likely republican to win in november and the least likely to be nominated well, it's a little early to say that. I mean, we have to get to a convention, and when you get to the convention, it's uh, it's going to be a kind of a wide open affair. Well, um, a little early. Uh, you need you need delegates, Mr. Kasich. I would love Kasich to become the knight, the white knight. Maybe he will be because he he is a nice guy. Yeah, and then Donald all, all, could be the vice president. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think so. Uh, Kasich is looking toward the convention, though. We've had 10 contested Republican conventions, 10. And of the 10, only three times did the front runner, uh, was the front runner selected. Seven times, it was somebody other than the front runner. But you're number three. I can understand an yeah. argument. So, for was, Link- no- so the- was Lincoln. Well, Lincoln. Uh, I'm not Lincoln, but you're so no was Lincoln, Lincoln, Mr. Yeah, Kasich. And this ain't 1860 no, either. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's funny is he, he names, you know, so many – ten times it's been contested, seven times the, the person that came out of it wasn't a uh, the leader in delegate votes. And what he doesn't also point out is usually what happens is when you do that, that person that comes out of the convention yeah. loses. Loses yeah. the general because no one knows who you are. Yeah. Oh, he would do so well against the Democrats though. But that's what they're saying. I know he's already he's leading in like but the this, polls. But this would be different because you have a, a third candidate. He's been running this whole time. His platform's basically out there. Yeah, I think I heard the first rumblings of his tax plan yesterday. But again, he said it'll be like Reagan's. How are you going to sway all of the anti-establishment people? See, this That'll is his the dilemma challenge. that. So the only way this is really going to be a fair game is if Bernie Sanders swings off as an independent 
Trump swings out as an independent, then it's just a, a horse race. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Did you get my email I sent you really fast, Terry? Did you get that this morning? I sent you a, I sent you a message. I don't believe I did. And it was a picture that I have to address because I woke up to this picture and now I'm trying to find it. Um, it, was, it was a picture of Ted Cruz. Oh, okay. Um, and I think it's like paralleling – it was a picture of Ted Cruz holding another picture of – it was a girl – in a dress with a Ted Cruz face on it. Hmm. And I think it's like from like a scary movie. Okay. Uh, we'll find it and we'll post it. But I could not stop laughing. And huh. I sent it to you the minute I saw it. I'm like, oh, this is totally Terry. <laughs> and I wanted you to research the picture because um, it's it's really – Did they do a face swap it, on No, I, I sent it to you. I tweeted it. I, I, I messaged you through Twitter, I guess. Wow. Is that what it's called? Anyway, we're going to find it and then we're going to post it. So be looking for it at Dr. Matt show because it is a picture that you shouldn't have to ever look at. And yet um, it's how I woke up and I could not stop laughing. And my wife was like, what is going on over there? I was trying to keep it quiet. (laughs) Hey, uh, we are going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to get into this idea of uh, a cyber war. Apparently, cyber war, it's the new front – in potential wars in the world, and uh, it could e- easily, easily impact all of us um, with our electrical grids, with our, uh, you know, our technology and use of technology. Stick with us. We're going to be talking uh, with Paul Rosenwig about uh, cyber war. Interesting stuff. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, earlier this year, the New York Times reported that the Obama administration prepared a cyber attack called Nitro Zeus, set to prevent Iran's uh, nuclear weapons development program. Um, And uh, the plan, though never confirmed, was speculated to be capable of disabling Iran's air defenses, communication systems, and part of its electric grid all through hidden computer code placed inside the Iranian network. So could this same attack, this cyber attack, could the U.S. and the rest of the world be moving towards a new form of warfare? Or is is the cyber attack actually going to become maybe the more likely war um, that we will all be facing? Well, who better to help us with this than our uh, friend uh, Paul Rosenzweig, founder of the Red Branch Consulting, PLLC, and a Homeland Security Consulting Company. He's also a, a professorial lecturer in law at George Washington University. Paul Rosenzweig, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Help me understand this. This article you wrote um, on theconversation.com, uh, to me this is fascinating because is this the new front? Is this the new kind of front where wars will take place is just in the in the cyber war i think it is or let's let's say it's not the only front Mm. but it's going to become part of uh the routine of military it doesn't mean we're going to give up you know guns and tanks and and airplanes right but uh to the extent that nations whether iran or the united states are dependent upon this new cyber domain for 
their communications militarily as well as the fundamentals of their economy, it's, I think, almost inevitable that the systems that are operating uh, the computer uh, operations of these countries are going to become uh, targets of conflict. I guess they run everything, right? They like like the article was saying. Uh, I mean, this ends up running their uh, their electrical or their uh, their grids, their electricity grids. It ends up running a lot of their military uh, support tools. And I mean, I guess if you can pull down their computer systems of the government, I mean, even if you just pull down the IRS, you would yeah. you would seriously <laughs> impact the country. Yeah, well, that, that we might think that that was a good thing. Yeah, it might be a great well, type no, of word. That's a joke. Um, yeah, but, totally. Um, but in, in truth, uh, almost everything uh, that we live with today is is hyper dependent on cyber capabilities. Both big things like the electric grid, the transportation system, the nuclear power generation, to small things, um, the cars that we uh, that we all. Um, drive today if they have on star oh. they're hackable yeah um you know things like that so so the pervasiveness of cyber capabilities in our lives is something we've that has kind of happened without anybody really remarking on it and to a large degree we've done it with not a full uh, understanding of how much or it's going to affect our ability to you know resist outside attacks is this new york times why is this shocking us, I guess? Uh, the, the New York Times brought the idea up or revealed the issue. I guess it's never been confirmed. Like The military or the government, I guess, won't confirm such a thing. But th- this isn't new news, right? I mean, this is – it seems like some form of cyber warfare has, has been going on also with Ukraine and Russia and in other areas. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I'm surprised that you're shocked, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, this is a commonplace. You mentioned the Ukraine uh, about four months ago. Somebody, and we're not sure who, but it's almost certainly the Russians, you know, blacked out a portion of the Ukraine for a while. Um, that was part, we think, of their ongoing, the ongoing conflict between uh, Russians-inspired separatists in the eastern parts of the Ukraine and the Ukrainian government. Uh, we've seen this, you know, with increasing frequency uh, across the globe. And, and depending upon how you characterize it, you could even count as cyber war something like uh, the North Korean attack on Sony Pictures. Mm-hmm. That's not quite military in context, but if you think about it, uh, actors responsible for a nation, responsible to a nation state and Kim Jong-un tried to destroy a, you know, a multi-million dollar American company. Yeah. That's, that's pretty uh, aggressive stuff. So I guess I guess that is what distinguishes it, right? Is is the fact that if it's state sponsored, then it is it could be even perceived as an act of war. I would think so, though. You know, here we run into one of the really big problems, which is it's very difficult to attribute attacks mm. in cyberspace. Leo, you know, if I punch you in the face, I'm physically present. I'm easy to identify. Yeah, we know. We'll know who it is, right? But what virtually is happening is that somebody, and we think it might be the Russians, is punching the Ukraine in the face. Uh, Somebody, and we think it was the United States, is preparing to punch Iran in the face at a distance without having to actually be identified. It makes it very, very hard to, um, to, you know, uh, use our traditional military paradigms of response and deterrence, all of which depend upon knowing who 
your attacker is. Yeah, who the enemy is, right? Yeah. If well, you don't know who the enemy is, how do you shoot back? Weren't, wasn't the White House um, hacked by China? It is said that the White House's uh, unclassified systems were accessed by the Chinese. Um, again, there's never been a, a forensic public confirmation that it was China, just reports in the news, and the Chinese have, of course, denied it. Hmm. So, you know, as an outsider, you and I are left with saying, hmm, looks <laughs> like China, smells like China, but is it really China or is it Russia pretending to be China? Oh, see, now there, there you go, right? And then, but I guess this is, this is the, the CIA has been playing this game for years. Well, we have played it in espionage for a long time. The problem here is that it's much easier to play. Yeah, now it is, huh? So yeah. we, this is, we're much more vulnerable to a cyber attack than any other attack? Well, um, yes and no. I mean, in, in some ways, I, I don't want to overhype the cyber attack. I mean, nobody's ever actually died right. from a cyber attack, at least that, not that we know of in the public, in the public literature. Uh, whereas plenty of people have died from, oh, say, planes flying in right. large towers right. or pentagons. So, so we're still at a stage where the vulnerability in the cyber domain is a little more theoretical than it is real at this point, whereas the vulnerability in the physical, kinetic world, very real, and we've seen it a lot. I suspect, I mean, people like me, we get paid to think bad thoughts, and we all suspect that that's going to change um, uh, in the near future and, uh, and is likely going to be, uh, uh, we're likely going to see situations in which increasingly uh, physical effects that actually hurt people are are effectuated by cyber attacks. But you know, to be fair to the point, we still haven't actually done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, Paul, you pull down Snapchat with a cyber attack, you're going to have a lot of teenagers hurt. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> On the other hand. You know, none of them are going to die. That's right. Except of embarrassment. Well, it's exactly, well, some might die. They think they're going to die, but they're not going to die. That's uh, th- that's why this is – it's such an interesting – this is the future, isn't it? This is the – I mean, the future threat, and it could be a threat that could easily uh, – I mean, n- not to create, like, chaos about it, but it- it's something that could just kind of easily be done just in one part of the grid in the United States and – you know, bring it, bring down, you know, Texas or bring down the West or whatever. So, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's eye opening to me um, to know that it's, it's this real. Let's take a break, Paul. I want to come back and pick your brain some more about this and, and get, uh, get more of your insight. Again, we're talking with uh, Paul Rosenzweig and we're going to continue this discussion about cyber war and uh, cyber safety. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. everybody to the Matt Townsend show. Today we are talking about cyber war with Paul Rosenzweig. Uh, Paul is a professional or a professorial lecturer in law at George Washington University, founder of Red Branch Consulting, uh, PLLC, a homeland security consulting company and a senior advisor to the Chertoff Group. Uh, He has also held positions working in all three branches of federal government 
most recently as the first Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy at the Department of Homeland Security. And Paul, we welcome you back. We're so grateful to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. This is this honestly, um, this cyber war idea, again, it's like in your article you talk about, this is kind of the new level of uncertainty, isn't it? This is the, the future war is just going to be um, not knowing what could happen or where it could happen. I think that's right. It, it, it reminds me in some ways of where we stood just on the cusp of the first use of nuclear weapons. Nobody was really sure what they would mean. I mean, some people thought that the world would you know, devolve into this mutual destructive capabilities and we would all be dead in six months. Um, instead, I mean, and it, 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 we wound up with this kind of stable idea of mutually assured destruction, but it took 20 years, pretty much, 25 years, before the world figured out what nuclear war meant. Mm. You know, we think of the Cuban Missile Crisis in, in 1962, and we were still thought we were on the brink of this. Um, we're at the same place just now. We've just figured out this new set of weaponry, but nobody knows what the rules are going to be or how it's going to be used or what it means. Uh, and I don't think we'll know for 20 years. <laughs> mm, yeah. And and I guess, too, the uh, just maybe explain to us what the what what the potentials are of a cyber war i mean we know it could how does it even work how does how do we get a virus or a bug or whatever into a, a, our system how what how would it enter in hypothetically and how would it shut us down or impact us well i mean all the the ways in are as varied as 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 uh, you know human conception so it's hard to think of a typical one but a fairly common way um, is uh, to induce a, uh, a somebody inside the system to make a mistake, to click on a bad link or to uh, plug in a, a, a thumb drive with a virus on it or something like that. Um, you, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them because you probably get emails that you know better than to click on all yeah, the time. Yeah. That's why the government says think before you click, which is a bit of a dumb statement, but it's also, <laughs> it's also the right answer. Um, if you do... If you put that thumb drive in and if you click on that link, if, or if some member of the military does, typically the first thing that happens is that it activates a small program that will turn off your antivirus and your firewalls. So it'll just turn off the protective systems that you're using right now. And then, from there, uh, the uh, opponents will flood into your system. They'll, they'll come in, they'll explore, they'll uh, give themselves a themselves administrator privileges. If you have a big IT system at BYU, you know that there are some guys who are super users who can turn off everything, yeah. and then there are other people who, who, who can't, but they'll make themselves into super users, and then they'll start creating accounts for themselves with passwords and access permissions, and then they'll start rooting around. Mm. As to what they do, you know, we, have, we call it the, the four Ds, degrade, dis- disrupt, um, uh, deny, and destroy. So they can either you know, degrade the system, disrupt it, deny you access to it, or destroy it. And those are kind of the, the possibilities. And so they range from uh, uh, stealing information and just shipping it out, which is pure espionage, to destroying uh, uh, the electric uh, generation plant that's attached to, mm-hmm. this, to the computer system and everything in between. I mean, think of this as a possibility in the degrade 
Uh, all of America's munitions are based upon global positioning now, precision-targeted yeah. munitions. What if somebody just degraded the GPS so that it was about, um, you know, 50 feet off? Oh, yeah. Everywhere around the globe. I mean, and that... And, to you and me, because, yep. you know, we don't use it to drive, but uh, though we will in, if we go to driverless cars, but would matter a great deal to our uh, our predator drone strikes. And they could just camp out, right? They could just camp out in the system and just keep tweaking it or even even stealing the same information we're getting and th- they don't even have to expose themselves as being in the system. That's exactly right. Um sometimes they're in for months. Uh if you recall the Sony hack. Yeah. Um uh the North Koreans were inside the system for at least 6 months before they were discovered. Hmm. Um in fact, one of the really chilling uh, statistics from the FBI, and this is mostly in the criminal sphere, so it's not in the war sphere, is that you know between 60 and 70 percent of the people find out that they've been hacked from somebody outside the system oh, wow. who, who's getting strange information. So when your friend calls you and says, you know, Matt, you're, you're, you're sending out spam emails. Right. No, that's say, right. Right? Yeah, and totally. That's when you find out that you're sending out spam email. Yeah. Wow. Is there any way to prevent this? No. So it's I mean, just there are lots of ways to reduce the risk. Um, risk reduction is is the game, name of the game. But in terms of absolute prevention, there are no silver bullets. The only way to be completely safe in cyberspace is to stay out. Hmm. Is to use your computer as a doorstop. You yeah. Know, to keep open the door, it, it, it is impossible. But there are lots of ways to be more secure um, uh, that are reflective of. Better planning, you know, uh, uh, use encryption, uh, strong passwords instead of weak ones, uh, training for your uh, employees not to click on bad links. There's a whole nine yards of stuff. That's what I, sure. how I make my money at the, Red Branch is telling people all those things to do. <laughs> and you, I mean, I guess, does this take a level like China seems like they'd have more than enough people to be able to do this. Russia, sure. South, or North Korea, even. Is ISIS capable? That's a great question. Um, uh, on, based on the public record, I think the answer is not yet, but yes in five years. Mm. Boy, that's, that's a whole other that's game. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Is it, and it's, it seems more affordable. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that uh, is the truth about cyber is that it's asymmetric. You, uh, nobody can compete with us, can compete with America in the military physical military domain. We've got 14 aircraft carriers with air wings and planes and all. And I mean, the only people we're even partially scared of are like the Russians and the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, in the cyber domain, you know, 10 really smart North Koreans can, can, can whack Sony pretty, pretty hard. Um, we, uh, and we have to take account of that. One of the, uh, you know, one of the stories that I, I tell in some of my lectures is, uh, is about a group called the Syrian Electronic Army. Uh, who threatened President Obama that if he put American troops in Syria, you may remember that he was thinking about that a few years ago, they would destroy the New York Stock Exchange. And I, I don't know if it was wow. or not. Yeah. Um, and I like to think that even if it was a realistic threat, that the NSA was smarter than that and could have stopped him. But, you know, it was not... It was not a frivolous threat. It wasn't like them saying, we'll launch nuclear weapons 
against New York when they don't have any nuclear weapons. Yeah. It's a very real possibility. Well, we already know hackers can do amazing things, um, except hack into Hillary Clinton's email server. Um, Maybe not. Maybe they can do that too. <laughs> Maybe they can, even if it's in the bathroom in the basement. Yeah. Um, but it's But to think that they could just slowly start tearing apart – you don't need to blow up Wall Street. You just need to, you know, a little cyber attack on the stock market. Yeah. Wow. And, and, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be destroyed. Mm-mm. What if tomorrow we all woke up and all the trades from, t- from, uh, from yesterday were inaccurate? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine right. the chaos and the money exchanging? Or yeah, just take you, a. You traded 100 shares of GE, but the report you, that your broker sends you says you traded 80. Oh man, twenty, Paul! You got to get on this. I am. Uh, Go fix it, man. Living, but it's uh, it's 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 scary stuff. Paul, where can they get a hold of you if they want to find out more about what you do? Oh, redbranchconsulting.com. Redbranchconsulting.com. Paul Rosenzweig. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks keep for uh, me. keep writing. Keep fighting the battle. Holy it's cow, folks! It's fragile, isn't it? And yet we feel so confident. We feel so darn confident. <laughs> Paul, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Take We're going to take a break. Come right back. Uh, Continue the journey, folks, helping you get real, uh, real-life real solutions to our real-life problems. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, the cyber, the cyber attack scares me a lot more than anything you get isis tooled ready to go on cyber war they could just bring down a dam here you know play with the air traffic control system all of a sudden you're landing in el paso like how did i get here there's nothing worse than landing in el paso oh there's worse (laughs) there's worse hey we found the picture we're going to be posting it as soon as we can figure out how to now, now, if you send it to me, I think I can get it. Okay, because I sent it. I sent, Terry's not big into Facebook. No, my wife takes care of that. Uh, oh, are you saying that that's for women? No, it's just not for me. Um, so I'm gonna. So it's it's a picture of Ted Cruz in a dress, almost as a little girl twin. I don't know how hell else to explain it. I wonder if a lot of this had to do with the time of day you saw it. It was yeah, first thing in the morning. No, when you look at it, it's. It's pretty terrifying. Um, but, Terry, you're not coming up in my... That's, yeah. So you may want to figure out how to save it and then send it to me. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. It's a cyber attack. You've been, you've been cyber attacked. So do you want to talk about sports events or movie events? Hmm. Let's, well, because the Warriors are playing tonight for the big 73. Yes. Then... I really want to go uh, – let, let's go sports events first. Okay. Yes, yeah, sports events for me, $500, let, let me, let me sort my documents here. There we go. Okay, so tonight, as you said, the Warriors are playing. Yep. Final game of the season, I believe, is Memphis Grizzlies, I think, yeah. which is kind of irrelevant. At home the, for the Warriors. 73. The, the, Bulls, should... the Bulls won theirs. They're 72. They won that on the road, Yeah, I believe is how that went. So they're finishing the season right there. It's going to be great. Life is good. See what happens. Right. If they win, they win, and then they set you know records. 
As that's happening in uh, Oakland, yeah, down the coast in Los Angeles, Kobe Bryant, last game of his career. Oh wow, this is imp- yeah, big deal. As the Lakers take on the uh, the Utah Jazz. Oh boy, and oh boy, that's the final game, and everyone's come on, Jazz. This is the Jazz to get into the ticket playoffs. prices. The cheapest ticket online right now is about seven hundred dollars. Wow, most expensive is about twenty five thousand. That's for a courtside row one seat. Come on. So that if Kobe wants to dive it for a loose ball, he'll crash into your knees or something. And Maybe you'll get a sweatband. Get a sweatband. Who knows? So those are the prices. The L.A. Lakers are uh, cautioning fans for uh, fraud, for people, you know. Yeah. Don't buy a $25,000 ticket unless you know it's real. Right. Smart. Have some security here. Um, so those are kind of the two big events happening yeah, tonight. Huge. Um, other news from yesterday in the NBA uh, NBA owners are scheduled to vote this week on putting ads on jerseys for the 2017-2018 season. If you uh, look at world oh, soccer, uh, if you look at yeah. world soccer, all the teams are sponsored by somebody. Yeah. And it, and it's it's big money because uh, you get someone like Real Madrid. Right. Uh, it's they're on TV all the time and that's somebody that Herbal uh, Life. Manchester United's a big one so you you see like uh, United Arab or no uh Emirates Airlines. Yeah, yeah. They're on there, and they pay a lot of money. Do we to, want to play this? There. Come on. I don't know. It says the measure is expected to pass, according to sources. Several teams have begun testing uh, the market to sell the potentially lucrative ads, which could be placed in a two and a half by two and a half inch patch on the left shoulder. A proposal was presented to the owners in February during meetings at the All Star Game in Toronto, with the expectation that a decision would be reached at this week's Board of Governors meeting held in New York Thursday and Friday. The initial proposal to owners was for the teams to keep 50% of all sponsorship money from the jersey ads and for 50% to be added to the revenue sharing pool for all teams. Well, hold it. Isn't this about the, the people? No, it's about money. It's always been about money. It will never not be about money. Then let's just say this. If they're a franchise player, they have to have the brand tattooed? No. Okay. The, they have other tattoos. The league has been moving to this point for at least five years and has been a project that the commissioner has been spearheading. The NBA recently signed a new national TV deal. Apparel deals with the ads were also part of the negotiations. In 2017, Nike will take over from Adidas as the league's uh, uniform provider when the ads are expected to debut. So when they have Nike jerseys, there's a swoosh. So there's an ad on sure. on there anyways. It's a little ad. And there's an Adidas symbol on there now. Under Armour, sure. So it's it just makes it more apparent. The problem is if you get kind of the odd sounding. Oh, no, there's the well, or just, or just the weird product. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Like the Swiffer. Yeah. If you have the Swiffer that sponsors a team, it's just like, It's a clean on. sweep, folks. And you have some weird logo. It really needs to not be too obnoxious, I guess. Is well, and if it's only two inches by whatever, that's not that's not a big ad. No, but it, it it's right there because there's a lot of uh, close-ups of players, and you'll it see it. It just needs to be on their headband. Swiffer. <laughs> well, usually it is. There's like a swoosh or something, right? <laughs> yeah. How much, how much money do we have in the Taser Fund? Ooh. Um, you mean actual money? Or money, or per, or potential money. So money that we could pay for an ad for. With. Um, uh, I don't think there is any money in. Probably the, zero. No, it'd have to be in kind. But uh, it's worth millions. I so put I like in fifty dollars last week. Is that still in there? Yeah, no, there's it's gone. That went oh. to administrative costs. Yeah, 
That went to lunch. Matt went to lunch. <laughs> In other news... It was a business meeting. The NCAA announced that an eight-year extension of its multimedia rights agreement with CBS Sports and Turner at the Division of Time Warner for the Division One Men's Basketball Championship. The new contract extends the agreement through 2032. Holy cow. And ensures that one of the premier American sports events will be uh, telecast by two of the world's premier media companies. Oh, so it's a bunch of PR junk here. So basically, Turner and CBS will have the NCAA tournament through 2032. But they, they've they already paid? No, it's kind of a year-by-year thing. Because, I mean, the extension covers an eight-year period for a total rights fee of another $8.8 wow. billion that they pay yearly. Mm-hmm. So it's a total package that they're they're paying, but they don't pay all the money at once. They pay yeah. it as they go. Yeah, no, that's interesting. With deadlines. Who, man. But see, that's what they got to do. They got to secure all this stuff. Because for all you know, you know, BuzzFeed could come in and steal it. I mean, the NFL will be on Twitter this next season. I know. So what's coming up next? And who, who even knows if Twitter will be? Oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say Yahoo. Who knows if Yahoo will even be around? Yeah. You know, what's going on? It could be part of uh, what Verizon, I guess, yeah. is, is on the Verizon's list. Verizon's in trouble today. They're in trouble. They're having a huge strike. Can't you just see like, some lady like, hey, I need some help at Verizon. Can somebody help me transfer my contacts? So Verizon is having a union strike today. They're, a bunch of their workers are out. The people that are manning the phones have less than a year experience in one article I read. Oh, wow. So all the people that could really help you are probably out on the street. So hang on, Verizon fans. Just you'll, they'll, get, they'll solve this soon. And then I guess the Daily Mail, the tabloid yeah. out of, uh, yeah. out of uh, England, is also looking into purchasing Yahoo!, See, everyone wants Yahoo. Who wouldn't want Yahoo? The reason is because so many people use the website that you get a lot of data on usage, Ah. on where people are, where their attention is, and that's where these other companies, they want that data. The website will be secondary. Yeah. They'll they'll keep it going because they want to drive people to the website, but then they find out what people are looking at, what they're interested in, and then they can adjust the ads that you see, and that's where the main money is, is in the marketing. It's a, see, this is why we need a good cyber war. Oh, yeah. We just Maybe some, reset the system? Somewhere the people need to gain some power back. No. Yeah, because we just have to keep taking ads on our players' jerseys. You and, do have the power. What just is it? turn the TV off or yeah, turn the Yeah, that's what they say. Off. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. If you turn it off, you don't see any of this stuff. Right, but that doesn't mean... It's not necessarily as enjoyable that doesn't that's mean what they, you want to do. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're still not watching. That's what they say. Anyway, cyber war, folks, it's everywhere. And now our athletes are going to have even more logos and branding on them. Come on. I'm not, I'm not for that at all. I think we're losing the purity of the sport. I, don't not, I do not want to see an ad for Cheetos on my star's headband. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'd rather just see LeBron hammer one down. If he wants to be on a commercial, go be on a commercial. But when I'm watching the game, I've already paid my pass. I've paid my ticket. Don't make me be branded to and sold even more. Come on! Anyway, we'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show, doing what we can to help you see the good in the world and uh, live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. Uh, Next hour, we'll be talking tech with our tech guru, Jay McFarland. We're in the uh, What the Tech section. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Today, we are going to be talking tech with our tech guru, Jay McFarland will be coming up. Well, we got we got a lot to talk about with Jay, and uh, you know one of the things we really got to sort through is a, a new story out about a, a textalizer. Textalizer. So now, if you get pulled over by the cops, and you've been like involved in an accident, they can do a textalizer test where you have to submit your iPhone to have your texts evaluated to see if you were driving while texting. Hmm. Interesting uh, little thing. In fact, that's a new law that they're proposing, I believe, um, in New York. So, wow. Can you imagine? Can you, instead of walking the line, you're going to just have to turn your phone over. Is that legal? We'll get to that. We'll uh, talk to Jay about his take on that and everything else, just everything tech. Uh, we're going to also – we have to revisit the watch, the Apple Watch, because I absolutely love mine. It's my best friend. And, uh, you know, it makes me feel healthier than everyone else. I like to look down at my wrist and know that I'm healthy because I have my Apple Watch on. And then I, look I am at, the healthiest human ever known to man. Because mm-hmm. I have an Apple Watch. And then people tell me that the watch doesn't do anything for me. Like I still have to exercise. Well, duh. But my watch, I can adjust my goals so it still looks like I'm doing a lot. See, you got to be smarter than your technology folks. What, what's your step goal? My step goal is 10,000 steps. And last night I hit 9,000 and it was a bedtime. And I'm thinking, do I just, do I need to go take some more steps? And I'm like, no, because I have restless leg syndrome. My legs will be working all night. I just don't get credit for it. Cause I didn't wear my watch to bed. Darn it. Hey, uh, but before we get to all of uh, the tech guru stuff with Jay McFarland, let's first get to the news with uh, Joe Carson. Find out what's going on in the rest of the world. Thank you, Matt. Ivanka Trump blasted New York's onerous voter registration rules for her missing October's registration deadline to cast a ballot for her father in the state's Republican primary next Tuesday. Ivanka Trump says New York has one of the most onerous rules in terms of registration, and it required us to register a long time ago, almost close to a year ago, and we didn't do that. We found out about it sort of after the fact. Two of Donald Trump's own children, both Ivanka Trump, who identifies as an independent, and her brother Eric Trump, missed the deadline to register and now can vote for their own father in the April 19th primary. Ever since Texas Senator Ted Cruz swept all of Colorado's delegates in the Republican presidential race, state GOP chairman Steve House's phone hasn't stopped ringing. House estimates that in the two days since Cruz's win was announced, he has received more than 2,000 calls from people complaining that the process was a sham. After his phone number was mysteriously disseminated across the Internet. The caller's complaints echo those of Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump, who has denounced the system as rigged and crooked in the days after his loss. More than 36,000 Verizon workers walked off the job this morning after two labor unions failed to reach an agreement by their 6 a.m. deadline with the company. 
The employees' contracts have now been expired for more than eight months. Over 99% of the striking employees are involved in Verizon's wireline business, which includes its landline phone service, but also the fiber optic network that provides internet, phone, and video. While Verizon has said customers will be unaffected by the strike, wireline customers could actually see a drop in the quality of their service, as only 10,000 non-union employees are stepping in to replace the 36,000 strikers. The non-union employees taking over the wireline service only have a year of training. <laughs> a case that began 16 months ago when a smuggler was caught with 51 turtles down his pants ended Tuesday with the man sentenced to five years in federal prison. Prosecutors say 27-year-old Kai Shu made multiple trips from Canada to the United States to buy thousands of turtles. Which he would then ship back to his native China. He was caught in September 2014 as he tried to cross the border from Michigan to Ontario with 51 turtles strapped to his legs. <laughs> Excuse me. It's illegal to send turtles overseas without a permit. And in a letter to the judge before his sentencing, Shu said he was very sorry and grateful to his agents for stopping the darkness of my greed and ignorance. Back to you, Dr. Townsend. Wow. Joe got a little.、Uh, Joe got the giggles. Joe, got... <laughs> it's that fifty turtles strapped to the legs thing. That that makes everyone laugh. See, that's the making of a really good joke. Anytime you say he had fifty turtles strapped to his legs or down his pants, guaranteed laughs. Guaranteed laughs. Even Joe, the professional newsman that he is, couldn't couldn't keep that straight. Hey, by the way, I just found out yesterday. 30th anniversary of my first kiss with my wife. Wow! Yesterday you, was. Yeah. What do you think of that? How old are you? Forty-six, almost forty-seven. Okay, so you're like sixteen or seventeen. Sweet, I was sweet. I was sweet sixteen. Thirty years, Terry.、Uh, anniversary from my first kiss with my wife. Good job, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. It was a fantastic kiss、mm. on the doorstep. I said, I even asked her. I said, "Can I kiss you?" And she said, "Sure." And then I was too embarrassed to because、mm. I was sixteen. And then I talked for another about twenty minutes,、mm-hmm. did a little talk show, and then、um, then you realized you wanted to be a radio broadcaster. That's right. Then is when I realized I could do radio because I just filled twenty minutes. You talked to her about silence, anxiety, grit, uh-huh. millennials, uh-huh, totally, all of that. Just the topics of the show. And then I hurried and kissed her, and then I ran away. It was a huge night. Junior prom. Nice. Yeah, I was in a tux. Hmm. Hmm. Driving a、uh, a Cadillac, my grandfather's Cadillac. That was sweet and huge. Nice ride. This was the little foghorn to alert no, everyone was, when you turn. This、turned. was the next、okay. version that was a little smaller. Oh, okay. Ah,、oh, but it was nice. A beautiful Cadillac, rose colored, by the way. Hmm. Hmm. He had great taste. Hey, um, we are talking tech today, and、uh, one of the things that I've I, I'm really frustrated by is the fact that I found this incredible picture. Yeah. And I can't send it anywhere. Why can't you send it? Because I can't. So I had to screenshot it. So I'm going to take my screenshot and send it to you, and then just post my screenshot 
on the at Dr. Matt show. So far, I've gotten two Facebook Messenger notifications saying attachment unavailable for Matt Townsend. <laughs> yeah. Have you really? I have. What is happening with that? And I got a blue thumbs up. Yeah. You, you gave me a thumbs up. That's good. Yeah. See, that was me just trying to make you feel good about yourself. <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? So Facebook has made it so that you can share incredibly wonderful stuff. Within Facebook. Within Facebook. Yeah. It's like it's its own nation. Yeah. I, I One reason I don't like it is I have an app that helps me save links. Yeah. And you can't really save links within Facebook. They'll let you save it to their area yeah. where you can save things. Right. But I want to save it to mine, which is it's on my phone or on my computer, but outside of Facebook. So you actually have to go to the website, open the link, get outside of the Facebook functionality, it's, and then save it. And it just turns into a hassle. It just shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be this complicated. And the whole point is they want you to stay in there. They have a browser. Mm-hmm. Within the within the app, so you don't have to leave the Facebook app to right. go look at something. You look at it there. You comment, and you just you never have to leave. Can you their software? Can you order food? Uh, they're actually putting a lot more functionality into Facebook Messenger because if you could just order your food, you can order food. You can actually like transfer funds. Remember, we were talking about the guys who were selling in uh, in Libya. They're selling military, military arm, equipment arms oh, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could buy all kinds of weapons and guns. That's kind of the the negative yeah. effect of what they're trying to do. They're like, oh, yeah. They're, they're looking for you to transfer me eight bucks because I owe you money or, you know, whichever. Did, and, and these people are using it for other means. That can they can you imagine the day that, you're, that a dad's like, okay, who spent two grand on automatic weapons? <laughs> Sorry, dad. It's coming overnight from Libya. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It was on Facebook all night. Hey, did you hear the whole thing about Ivanka Trump? Now she's, she's a little mad that uh, the rules, the onerous rules – of New York yep. make it too hard to it, it, to... it is kind of odd that you have to register a year before. Oh, sure. But if those are the rules and your father is going to run for president yeah. and you live in a specific state, you might want to look into it. So these, so what they're going for are the, the vote of all the people that hate rules. Oh, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's, hey, that's a block. Yeah. But it, it also but, makes you look pretty dumb that you can't even vote for your own dad. Yeah. But it does kind of look look like why does New York have a rule that a year out you have to register to vote for something when it's right. why why is it a year why can't it be a month out why why does it you know yeah it doesn't seem to be like it needs to be that See, big of an it's issue because they're trying to eliminate people from the voting registers that's what it that's what people would say right that's what they it, it goes back to you know how much what what type of ID do you need to have on you well and do you I mean like don't you think because the Democrats aren't having this problem in New York. I guess you can vote anytime you want. I guess. You don't even need ID. Just show up. You're breathing. The breath test on the mirror. <laughs> we got a live one. He's alive. Go ahead and vote, sir. <laughs> Have you voted before? Uh, three times this morning. Okay. Let's make it a fourth. It's, this is the weirdest thing. How do you – no one's ever going to be happy. Yeah. A year's too far. A driver's license is too much. No ID. Not fair. I have a, a – I, I guess I – if you limit what type of ID, that's kind of where it gets into yeah. some weird waters. But it, I don't have a problem with walking in and proving who you I am. You should be able to walk I in feel, and prove who you are and vote that day. I feel kind of uneasy walking in. Somebody I don't know go, points at a book and goes, this you? After you tell them your name. And <laughs> yes, yep. it is. And then you sign it and you go, I go How, what proof did I just yeah. give of my identity? No. See, that is – that's the tangled web of this democracy. Mm. Rules or no rules. Donald knew the rules for a year, complaining. Ivanka didn't know the rules, 
but it's existed for a year, yeah. still complaining. She calls it onerous. Onerous. And for some reason, did you hear Joe got the giggles? Yes, he did. Well, he, it wasn't some reason. It was a man with turtles tied to his legs. Yeah. In effect, turtles in his pants. It's kind yeah. of a funny concept. Well, we were talking about that's like the best joke you, you've got. Is, is So did I tell you the story about the guy with the 50 turtles in his pants? No, I haven't. <laughs> tell me about it. That's a good one. Um, but people are now complaining. We, I'm getting text messages mm. that Joe is sounding like he's medicated. Okay. So will you just look into that? That's good input. Yeah, I just, I just read it. And, um, <laughs> but they're wondering if we're putting stuff in Joe's water. And now Joe gets the giggles. So yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe he's, maybe he's got a cold. Maybe medicated. I'm just saying. I don't want to cast dispersions. He's a little up on some Sudafed. I'll go talk to him. You just ask. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Hey, and by the way, at the end of the show, you got to keep listening to this hour. At the end of this hour, we are going to talk about a, a hilarious prank played on on a sister who just had her wisdom teeth out. Yeah. See, I had one wisdom tooth uh-huh. removed. Yeah. That was really uncomfortable. It wasn't really painful. Yeah. But, I mean. It got you. You now have a hole in your mouth and mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird. She had four. She and had, most people, I think, go in and they get them all removed. Oh, yeah. Well, and then they, they, you're medicated up. And they are, they, I guess the brothers knew she'd be a little loopy. Oh, yeah. They probably had it themselves. They and probably knew the state you would be in. Everybody's seen those, those videos when they're driving home and they, um, they're driving home. They're talking to the person that's loopy and they're making fun of them and stuff. But right. this, is, this one's different. Yeah. This one they – A little bit more in-depth. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But it's – We'll play some clips. And it involves zombies. Yeah. So there's a twist. And I feel bad because she shouldn't be talking. No. (laughs) And she's freaking out. That's awesome. Anyway, we'll get to that at the end of the hour. So stick with us. But first, we'll take a break and uh, get uh, Jay McFarland on the phone. He's our tech guru. And we're going to be, you know, talking all things tech in the What the Tech segment. Stick with us, folks. We'll also find out why Joe was laughing and if it has anything to do with over-medication. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, today's kind of tech day. First hour, we talked cybersecurity. Second hour, we're going to be talking with our tech guru, Jay McFarland. And, uh, you know, in the all things tech segment, also known as What the Tech, Jay McFarland is a uh, he's a talk show host on KSL uh, Radio. Also, you can find it on KSL.com. He is um, the browser and spends his days figuring out all things tech. He truly is the renaissance man. If you go to jmcfarland.com, he'll show you how to make apps. He has made hundreds of apps. He also he just he just knows how to make it work. And uh, we like to pick his brain to figure out what is going on with all things tech. Jay McFarland, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, good morning, Matt. How are you? Going? Good to talk to you. It's been a while. Yeah, we had to skip last month. I know. I had some scheduling issues, but you, I'm glad to be here. You're busy, and um, everything good? You healthy? Family happy? Everything is doing fantastic, yes. Now, what? Uh, tell me what you learned about the FBI or Apple in the Apple FBI showdown. Oh, my goodness. Do you really even want to get me started? This is this the thing. weirdest thing, isn't it? 
Oh, my goodness. I, I think uh, so poorly handled. And I've spoken with a lot of people in law enforcement, and they're expressing embarrassment. Oh, really? How, oh, yeah. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, this this all revolves around this iPhone 5C that was owned by the husband in the San Bernardino yeah. uh, terrorist attack. He was a health inspector. He worked for the city of San Bernardino, and he had this phone that was issued by by the city. And after the attacks, the FBI found it, and they wanted to get in it, not knowing if there was any evidence in there. Uh, but just, you know, what if there was some communication? What if there was indication of another attack? Right. So they wanted to get in it. But within hours of getting this phone, somebody either in a San Bernardino department or in the FBI. And, and have, and oh, Jay, we're losing you, brother. We're losing. You're, you're moving around again. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can. I can kind of hear you. Okay, I'm going to move towards. I'm going to move to another part yeah. of, of the house. This always happens with our tech guru. His house is so yeah. filled with technology that he's well, just got so little big. pockets. It, it depends on what wing I'm in. <laughs> yes, you know right. I'm exactly. Saying? No, exactly. <laughs> stay away. Stay away from that. the yeah the big generators. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 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 somebody like already got in and tried to open the phone. Is that what happened? And, well, and what they did is is they reset the iCloud. Uh, password, thinking that that would allow them to reset a new password. But because they didn't know the old one, it wouldn't let them do it. And that should have never happened. If they would have gone to Apple before they did that, Apple would have been able to help them. But because they didn't call Apple first, and they tried to reset this thing, then it became a situation where Apple would have to write new code that does not exist to be able to get in to the phone. So the FBI, instead of using their resources, they sued Apple and they announced to the world in press conferences that the FBI has no ability to get into an iPhone 5C. So they announced to all the evildoers out there, right. if you want if you know, if you want to if you want to not be tracked, get an iPhone. <laughs> right? Exactly. So the first thing they did, right? That makes and, no sense. And it makes no sense. So then Apple said, you cannot compel us to write new software. Apple handed over all the information that they had. There was a warrant. They handed over any information they had because there is some information that they keep in-house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the phone companies handed over everything. But Apple, uh, at the FBI said, no, no. And they got a judge to order Apple to do this. Apple said, we're not going to do it. They, they went to appeal. And if they would have done it, then it would have been announced to the world that now the FBI can get into a phone. So now all the evildoer, abandon your phone. <laughs> you see what we're right. You see what we're doing here? We're going through this crazy thing, right? This is so nuts. Then, all of a sudden, we get this announcement from the FBI. Wait a minute, we might have somebody who can crack the iPhone. Jimmy, Jimmy we're down not, the street can do it. Yeah, like yeah. we're come on. We're not going to tell you who it is. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to put uh, this judge's order on hold and see. And then it came out, yes, we have the ability to do this. Now, so so remember, first they said don't get a phone because, or get a phone to yeah. the evildoer. Then don't get a phone. Now we're back to uh, we can get into a phone. But here's the crazy thing is that they're not telling Apple how they did it. 
Yeah, Apple wants to know, oh, so now there's so there's a back door somewhere. We yeah. we need to go secure that and now the FBI is saying, uh-uh, we're not telling yeah. you. And and in the past, Matt, when law enforcement have found vulnerabilities in our systems, they have let tech companies know what those are so that they can be sealed up. So you think mm. about what the F, you think about what the FBI is saying. They're saying we're going to potentially allow this vulnerability for everybody out there, which means who knows what it is. Your phone could be vulnerable to hackers. They could get your personal information out there, but we don't care. We're going to leave that vulnerability open so that we can get into this one phone or other phones and prosecute cases. What are so they doing? It, it's, it's crazy. Well, so it's almost now, like they're trying something else, right? Is there an ulterior motive here? Like were they were they trying to – I don't know. Tell, send a message to the rest of the tech world. Oh, I think the message they were sending is they don't have any idea what they're doing. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, <laughs> so it's not even that. Yeah, it's not even that no, positive. Let's be honest. So then they they finally announced this last week that this is only a vulnerability in the five C. And now we <laughs> I saw a story last night. A Washington Post has a story out that says they just hired this kind of rogue hacker group to take advantage of this, what's called a zero-day vulnerability that was found in the iPhone 5C. Hmm. And uh, the whole thing has been an absolute circus. Wow. What the FBI should have done is contact Apple, say, can you help us? Apple said, no, you reset the password. Then the FBI should have said, okay, we'll just keep this quiet and we'll we will continue to search for a way to get into this phone using our resources, which they eventually did. But instead, they played this out in front of the entire globe, announcing our capabilities or lack thereof over and over right. and over again. Well, and, and, and wasn't the NSA always capable of just – I mean, I guess the FBI were always capable of doing it. But the NSA has been breaking this stuff all the time, haven't they been? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is they said they contacted other organizations. They say they cooperate between agencies, but this made it sound like they tried everything. I mean, you think about it. We can go to the NSA or we can force Apple by law to write new code. I, I really think this was about, and I think it's from the highest levels, including the White House, the, the need to push this through the courts to require companies to provide a backdoor in devices for law hmm. enforcement cases. Yeah, that's going to. I think that's, that's, that's what this is about. And that's going to. I mean, that's going to be a big showdown in the future, isn't it? Oh yeah, I I was very sad when uh, the FBI said, "Oh, we won't. We'll take it out of the." Court. the I wanted this to yeah. go to the highest level. The day before, because, there was going to be a judgment, right? I mean, they just yeah. pulled it. Well, there was going to be a hearing. A hearing. But I, I wanted it to go, to, although the Supreme Court is split right now because uh, we because uh, the GOP won't push through a nomination. But I wanted it to go. I think this decision is going to affect the next hundred years easy on on how how our devices are to remain secure and whether or not law enforcement can force a backdoor into phones. It's an important question. Yeah. And and if you I completely get if people feel that. That should be provided. But if that's the case, we need to change the Constitution or we need to change our laws, something. We can't just just hand over those rights and say, you know, we'll just ignore the, the Constitution. Mm, we'll totally. just ignore those things. Well, right? uh, so, there's another one. There's another issue, though, right, that brings up a, a different argument, not so much about 
uh, your safety, I guess, on, on such a large scale, but the textilizer thing. Oh yeah. Talk about that. That's this legislation in New York about they could they could when you're pulled over they could actually submit you have to submit to a breathalyzer and a textilizer. Yeah, so so we uh, we started tracking this story down yesterday. I had never heard of a textilizer. <laughs> no, well, no, I thought it was a disease. Yeah, this is exactly right. Yeah. I thought it was that flashy, blinky thingy from Men in Black. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the textilizer. <laughs> right, the textilizer. So uh, this is a device. Now, there are rumors that it is by the same company that helped the FBI hack the iPhone. Oh, are it's you kidding me? Yeah. So there's a link, okay? <laughs> so what they say this device can do, and we've reached out to them. We're still trying to get them on the phone because there's a million questions about this technology. Yeah. But they would – you get in an accident. The officer asks for your phone. You hand it to them. They plug it into the textilizer, <laughs> and it gives them time, span, time stamps for your recent communications. It won't tell them who you were talking to. It won't show them the nature of those conversations. It won't let them see any other part of the phone. Just time stamps. That's hmm. all. So we spoke to the legislator in uh, New York yesterday who has proposed this uh he has a friend who lost uh, i can't remember if it's his son or daughter a teenager Mm. to a texting uh while driving accident and so they feel very strongly about this and this bill is working its way through the legislature but as, as we talked about it on our show yesterday there's so many questions matt what if uh what if you're using uh voice to text right right right. hand free what if you uh, – we had a texter say, I, my wife uses my phone while I'm driving, you know? Totally. Or I'm, or I'm streaming and my kids are in the back watching something on my phone. Can the textilizer yeah. decide what the difference is? Uh, we also spoke to a local police chief, and he says right now what they do is they have voluntary compliance, which means if you get an accident right now in the state of Utah, they will ask to see your phone. And hmm. you can voluntarily hand it to them. And he says a lot of people do because they want to prove up front immediately that they were not texting while driving. Yeah. But you can turn it down. And if you turn it down, then if they feel the need later on through the court process, they can subpoena, they can get a warrant, those types of things. Oh, my heavens. So, yeah. So they feel that if the textilizer is implemented, it would have to be on a voluntary basis. That. There's there's just no way that they're going to allow this thing to be used constitutionally without probable cause. And here's the question, Matt: Is an accident probable cause that you were texting? Well, it's well it, or, it, 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 in itself. Yeah, it's is interesting. It, is it probable cause? Well, and be, who would have thought, you know, thirty, forty, fifty years ago that they'd be ch- taking your breath? Right. So right. that's exactly right. Why wouldn't they? I mean, and my problem is I don't I don't ever text when I drive, but I Netflix all the time. So now there's going to be a Netflixizer. They're they're really messing with me. Exactly right. Isn't that crazy? Like, where does this end? I mean, is it? What if you're just? What if you're distracted because you're just moving? You're just putting on a new song on your thing. I mean, it's. I don't know. And what you know, accidents have happened forever. Distracted driving has happened long before we had texting in in our vehicles and there are still i mean we had texters 
calling or texting our show yesterday saying, is there a way to find out if they were putting on makeup just before mm-hmm. they crash? Or they were biting into a hamburger. Yeah, or picking or up their they, French fries from the floor. Yeah. Right. The problem is that a lot of the laws have focused in on the texting as a distraction yeah. and not so much those other things. They're all bad. They're all poor right. driving. They're all reckless. And and they all need to be identified. And so it's a really tough situation uh, when you're trying to figure out if somebody was texting or not. It's not easy. So I understand the use of this technology. But is it probable cause that you were texting because mm. you got in an accident? It's, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't either. I, I think, and that's a, I think that's a great lesson for all of us. Jay, let's take a break. Come back. Uh, we got to come back. Talk about Apple Watch. Uh, you know, is it a, is it a bus? Is it a failure? Personally, love it. My best friend. Um, it makes me realize how much I do every day. <laughs> how much I do every day. We'll have more with Jay McFarland uh, from the website jmcfarland.com. You can also find him um, at ksl.com. He's got a great show there called The Browser. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back continuing with the What the Tech segment. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in the What the Tech segment. Jay McFarland joins us. Jay is uh, he's an author, by the way. He's written two books, Freedom Ain't Free and Joyful Union, and created several popular apps and games from uh, for the iPhone and iPad devices. Jay's a proud father of four and just, uh, well, celebrated his 20, almost 25th anniversary. Holy cow, Jay, have you been married 25 years? Yeah, we're, uh, we're definitely about to do that. Is you it know, still? We only, signed, we only signed up for ten. I know. Wow. Then month to month after that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Know? That's a good program. And um, <laughs> is it still a joyful union like the book yes, you wrote? It is. Okay, good. Absolutely. You have to say that now, right? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> she's know, sitting right there. See how it happens. <laughs> hey, talk to me about. Uh, I know you have an Apple Watch, don't you? I do. And I have yeah. one, and you taught me that I didn't need to put a cover on it. Did you take the cover off? I actually didn't take it off. I lost it. Oh, well, so it's off. So it's off. And yeah. has it scratched at all? You know what is so weird? It hasn't scratched at all. Yeah, I told you. It's, uh, it, that, the screen on that bad boy, uh, you don't have to worry about it. And, by the way, uh, it's, it still gets a little greasy. I don't know where the grease comes from. But it's it gets fingers. Oh, is it? Is that it? Yeah, yeah uh, that's what it is. Okay, don't want to talk about that. No, so, not uh, much that you can do about that. Is it a failure? That one of the big things now is to decide if Apple Watch uh, is a failure or not. Well, it, the thing to do is decide if any Apple product is a failure or failing, right? Right. Because Apple has been so aggressive and so strong, and and owns so much of the market share of uh, phones, and then they just. Uh, completely revived the tablet industry that everybody said was dead. Hmm. Um, you know, yeah. and now there's the question is iPad falling off and they just released the iPad Pro. I don't really know what the standard is. I mean, Apple no. is still producing the Apple Watch. And if people are buying it, they are buying it. And uh, one of the things that I saw that was interesting is that teens are buying the Apple Watch. And that's. That's an important uh, demographic because 
You remember before the Apple Watch, uh, the use of watches in general was completely falling off. No, right, exactly. I mean, people, I hadn't worn a watch in probably 10 years. Yeah. And just, you know, we all carry around a phone in our pocket. And so why would I, you know, I, I didn't need the watch anymore. So if teens are gravitating towards this, then that, that bodes well for them over the long haul. Yeah. Uh, we also are now seeing from the credible side of the Apple rumor mill that the Apple Watch 2 is going to be released at their worldwide developer conference this year. And so you'll be excited to know that the one on your wrist will be completely out of date <laughs> and you'll need, you'll need a new one. Oh, see, but this I know is, some... That makes me mad. That makes me <laughs> so mad. Some of the features of the, of <laughs> yeah, the what are the new Watch features that I'm not going to have? Uh, I'm only hearing about two right now uh, that it will be quite a bit thinner. Okay. Which would be nice. Yeah. And that it will have a FaceTime camera on it. Oh, boy. So that you can FaceTime from your watch. Well, imagine it's the mistake there. Public. So when you accidentally hit your FaceTime on your wrist? Yes. And you're, exactly right. you know, shaving? Because I've, I've done that. I've activated Siri like I'm working on something, and, and your wrist moves up. And I guess the where I wear my Apple Watch, it will activate Siri on me. Oh, wow. And Siri will ask me questions like, hello, why do you keep bothering me? <laughs> and, it, you know, I never use Siri yeah. because yeah, Siri you, doesn't No, you guys have a love-hate relationship. Oh, it's, well, it was love at first, and it's been all hate ever since. <laughs> the product doesn't get me. It no, doesn't no. understand me. Well, it's, it's the I list, have, Jay. It's the list. Really thick, <laughs> yeah, I must have a really thick accent. She can't, she can't discern what you're saying. I <laughs> or she just doesn't want to do what I ask. I it's don't right. know what it is. It's the Utah-Texas drawl that is you've that got. What That's what it is. I don't I, seriously. My wife will laugh at me. All other tech that I use, I'm the master oh, yeah. of all tech around me. Siri, no. Mm-hmm. I, I and that is the honest truth. I do not use Siri. But maybe you need to use the male counterpart version because maybe you work better I, with men. Maybe or like the one with the Australian accent yes. or something. Yeah. Maybe. That's it. Maybe that's, that's actually a good idea. Maybe I will try that. But so those back to the Apple Watch, they're still making them. They're still upgrading them. Um, and and uh, people are still buying them. I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not going to call it a, a failure. Is it the success that iPad was when it rolled no, out? Yeah. No. You know. And it's young. It's a young. Yeah. It, it's going to continue. But it's it's smart to get in it, right? So now you can wear. It's the wearing apparel whatever they call that branch of technology, it's, it's just, it's, it's going to be the future. Well, and the other thing that is a decent indication is you can go into Best Buy now or you can go online and see all of the companies that are making different bands and products for the Apple Watch. I mean, there, there are so many different bands. My wife has like three different style bands now. She has a real fancy mm. one, you know, kind of a blingy one. Yeah. And she has one to wear when she works out and it's very easy to change the bands. So that's a sign. And then the other sign is that the other manufacturers are making some gorgeous, awesome watches on the Android side of the aisle. There you go. Round, round face ones, you know, uh, really stylish looking ones. I think they really decided, all right, we're not going to compete with Apple watches functionality because it's so expensive. But we can do some style things that are just amazing. And there are some gorgeous, highly functional watches on the Android side that don't cost as yeah, much. That's cool. Uh, 
So that's an indication too. And yeah. by the way, they dropped the price of the Apple Watch. I know. $100. So it's what is it? Three, three fifty. I think two seventy nine is the baseline really? now. Really? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Speaking yeah. of dropping prices, baseline uh, Tesla. Yeah. Is the Tesla like this was when I saw this car, the new Tesla S, like Model S, I guess. No, Model Three. It's the new. Model it's the 3. one that we should all be able to afford, right? Yeah. And this is this is a really fascinating. I I tell you, I back to Apple for a second. I, I've always been amazed at people that will get in line for an Apple product that they've never held, uh, they've never tested out. Right. But you'll have a line out the door around the corner, pre-sales, millions of pre-sales for a product they've never touched. I know. And that's always a mind-blowing. But that's always for a product that's under $1,000. Right. Okay, so now we're talking about a product that is going to start at $35,000. And you're talking about one of the biggest expenditures that any person will make besides a home, right? Yeah, Isn't totally. Far. Right. So, so Tesla rolls out the Model 3. It's the it's the every man's sedan base price starting at thirty five thousand dollars, and they sell in a single weekend two hundred and seventy five thousand of these things. And you got to put a grand down. Yes. Now people can back out of that, yeah, right? So right? They're not roped in, so maybe they said we'll put up a grand, and then when we test it or whatever, we'll drop out. But in a single weekend, two hundred and seventy five thousand of those cow. things ordered. Sight unseen for mm-hmm. a car. Yeah. That is amazing. I know. That that tells you how Tesla has has built their brand and they're becoming the Apple of Dude, of automotive, right? For an electric car. Yeah. I mean like and then it, the Volt or whatever it was called, the Bolt, it, it never had that lineup. But Tesla does it and says, Yeah, we've got a car for the average person now and people line yeah. up. Yeah, so you figure thirty five thousand baseline, right? Yeah. And, and uh, it, it's got this really cool space age display in it. It's got some crazy features in it, uh, but they're thirty five thousand. And then you take off the uh, uh, the federal credits. You know, you can get that thing. I believe down under thirty thousand dollars. Amazing. That is amazing, and over two hundred miles on the charge. That's really what has people excited. But you mentioned the Chevy Volt. That's yeah. their vehicle that has been out for a while, and you can put fuel in it, and it has a generator, and so you can go long distance. Yeah, go either one. Run out of charge, which is a great idea. But Chevy is rolling out their Bolt. Oh, the Bolt. B, yeah. As in, boy, I drove this car at the Consumer Electronics Show. It will be below $30,000 after the tax credit. And it will go more than 200 miles on the charge. Um, but I can tell you, having a good knowledge of Tesla products and Chevy products, the Chevy product feels like a tin can. Does it? It's not a Tesla. Tesla. Oh, oh, no. No. Yeah. It's, not a, it's, it's four-door. I felt like a roller blade. Like I would need two of them. <laughs> Do you know, you know what I mean? You'd have to wear pads. Yeah, I get yeah. it. You'd have to helmet yeah. up. Oh, Jay, yeah. that's good stuff, man. You're the best. I appreciate you being on the show, walking us through all of the latest and the greatest. Take care, my friend. You bet. Everybody, go check out his website, jmcfarland.com. He's the real deal, folks. He knows tech. He makes tech. He's he's the guy. And he has apps that can teach you how to make uh, apps. It's pretty cool. 
jmcfarland.com. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. We got to get into this uh, zombie, you know, brother embarrasses sister story. Stick with us. Interesting stuff. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, with everything we're talking about with technology, like truly, I'm not a big texter, so you're probably not going to catch me texting and driving, but for sure you could catch me, you know, changing my channel on my podcast app, or um, you might even catch me watching a little YouTube just a great learning device. So um, I found uh, just it, it's it's going viral uh, the last couple days. I'm sure many of you have seen it. There is a uh, there's a YouTube video of a of a, a sister um, and a, and some brothers. Um, everybody has seen you know when you get your wisdom teeth out, they pull your teeth and then they drug you're all drugged up, and then a lot of people have been making vi- videos about, you know, how out of control you are or the dumb things you say when you're under the influence of the medication after surgery, right? So this these two brothers uh, have basically, they picked their sister up and for some reason mom and dad are like, yeah, do this. This is a great idea because they seem to have been involved. And they put this elaborate scheme together that once the sister was all drugged up and they were bringing her home, they they had this basically – Scheme where on the radio, an emergency alert comes up that basically says um, that that there's basically a zombie apocalypse, that there's a virus that's spreading. And um, this woman is under drugs. And her. Uh, so let me just play some of the clips for you. This is crazy. Um, this is the uh, emergency alert system. The Center for Disease Control in Washington, D.C. has issued a viral outbreak warning. State and local officials have reported cases of high fever, nausea, death, and even cannibalism. Stay in place until further notice. So, what the heck? Did you? What? <laughs> I was driving like a slug to get to the house. Hold on, hold on, mom's calling. So, the girl's, <laughs> her mouth is packed with gauze. And she's like, you're driving like a slug, get to the house. She's mad. She's, you know, she's post-surgery, high on drugs, angry. And the brothers, um, but they, they they had this elaborate thing playing. So all of a sudden she buys into the fact that there's a zombie apocalypse. But then we get home and they're trying to fill the car up with stuff. And you got to ask questions, right? You got to find out, like, what do we keep? What do we not keep? Listen um, to uh, the next clip about uh, this is about which animal, which pet we keep. Which pet? The cat or the dog? The cat! You okay. idiot! Okay. No! What do we do with the dog? He's the worst! He's already dying! Just leave him! Okay, Get we will, the okay, cat! Okay, I'll pick up the cat. Baby. Mom said we're leaving the dog. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um. <laughs> so you have to choose between the dog and the cat. She's like, the cat, you idiot. Duh! The dog's already dying. <laughs> And um, the next one is about what what chocolate cake we should take. Millicent, we can only take Funfetti or chocolate cake. Which one do we take? 
Bunbetty, do you want Bunbetty or chocolate? Which? No, Millicent, this is important. This will be what we're living off of. Which one? Bunfetti chocolate. <laughs> why? Why She's yelling, why does it matter? They're zombies. No, this is important, important Millicent. Funfetti or chocolate. Um, and then they got to go to Mexico, right? Because dad, I guess, is on a trip in, in Las Vegas, and they got to get to Mexico, dad says. Dad said that since he's in Las Vegas, that he's close to Mexico and he wants us to meet him in Mexico. How good is your Spanish still from high school? I, I, I can say pants. <laughs> I can say, I can say pants. So this poor girl, <laughs> she's sitting in the car the whole time, and the brothers are running around. That's why they're out of breath. At one point, they're loading gardening equipment they're in the back, gardening. and she goes, what do we need a garden hoe for? Yeah. Get the guns. What are we doing? They hand her a supposed weapon with a trigger, but it's really one of those extension bars for seniors that help them get their cereal off the top shelf. Yeah. The little grabber bar. Like, here's the safety, and here you... <laughs> so then, they, then they're like, so Millicent, we, about Costco. They got to go to Costco. Should we go to Costco? Listen to her reply. Do you think Costco... Should we go to Costco first? No, it's gonna be a bloodbath in there. <laughs> she's probably right. She's probably right. Should we go to Costco? No, it's gonna be a bloodbath in there. They filmed the entire thing, so we're gonna post it on our at uh, Doctor Matt Show Twitter feed, and you gotta you gotta look it up. It is. It's funny. It's funny. It's brother sister gone awry. That that line um, about the cat. Did you see how? She knew exactly which one she keeps. Oh, yeah. Like, there wasn't even a break. <laughs> she hates the dog. The cat. The dog is dying. <laughs> We're going with the cat. Um, but then it was – so even though they – it was like – it was a pretty extensive game they played on their sister. They saved her because right when they told her – Yeah, at the end they're like, uh, it's a joke. We're going to go home now. She got this look in her eye. And you, it was like that moment where you know she's either going to lose it start crying or freak out and start hurting somebody and they turn the video off. I think it'll be worse when she's, you know, I think it was worse when she came out of the drug haze that yeah. she was in. When <laughs> she realized what was there and she saw the video, she'd probably go nuts. I know. I'm dying to know what she felt about that. But who, what brother hasn't loved to play a trick like that on their sister? They would, we'd all like to do that. Did you ever have a family member tease sure. you? At some point. I mean, we had my brother convinced he was adopted. That's that's a common one. Well, that's an easy one. Everyone he does, does that one. My sister and I look like my father's side of the family. Yeah. My brother looks like my mother's side of the family. So it was an easy easy uh, was adopted story to to buy. That's dramatic. That's poor. That's sad it's, for him. It's fine. He's 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 grown out of it. My sisters used to just say, "Hey, touch the lighter." So. <laughs> Back in the day, cars had lighters that you'd push in oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'd stick and then you pull them out. And then there's these orange coils that are just glowing. Hot, yeah. yeah glowing I used to hot. play with that all the time. And that one of my sisters was like, touch it. And now that's that's your electrical port. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that's just where we plug our our tools and our devices. And so things have changed. I mean, I'd probably rather have a zombie apocalypse threat than have somebody tell me to touch a fiery coil of lava. Right. Just saying. I used to sit in the car and burn stuff on it. Did you? Yeah, like we had paper in the, you know, just in the, in the glove compartment. You're yeah. like, Shh, and then toss it out the window. <laughs> Those were the days. Again, back in the days when we didn't care about kids. We didn't buckle them in. We didn't just have seats. Slide around the back seat. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about this it. This is great, Dad. Do you remember when you got in the car and the seat belts were scalding hot? My first car seat as a kid 
was made out of uh, foam, but most of the foam was gone, so it was just metal and like <laughs> duct tape. <laughs> and look how you turned out. It's great. You're fine. Interesting stuff, folks. Man, have have we changed technology? bringing families closer together. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be back next hour. More tools, more ideas to live longer and love stronger. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Almost afternoon. Welcome to the program. If you're on the East Coast, you're probably on the way to lunch. You've already made it uh, through the day. Happy uh, National Make Lunch Count Day. Today is the day you got to make lunch count. Don't you make lunch count every day? Yeah, I make a solid lunch for myself. What's your, okay, because you are a health, let's just say, fanatic. Not really. Kind of. I had a Twinkie the other day. No, you didn't. My son had his first Twinkie. Did he really? Yeah, do you know his response was after what? What? Uh, do we have any more Twinkies? Yeah, he's an <laughs> addict. Like, That's my boy. What, what do you have for lunch a to solid. make it count? I have a salad. Oh, see, salads. Good. I had a salad yesterday. Solid salad. Disappointing. I've had the same salad for about five years, every day. Really? Yeah. I can Is, do that. Isn't it getting old? No, not at all. Don't I, you? I don't know why. Do you mix it up at all? Do you oh, add yeah. something to it? Well, no. It's the same ingredients every day. So, wow. Yeah. It's boring. I can do that, and it's no problem. I okay, go well, in, what I are know the ingredients? what it is. It's, there's lettuce, and then it's it's like a taco salad, so there's some... Some like hamburger meat and some cheese and then some sauce and you so, go. And you make this all ahead of time? No, I just make it and it takes like five minutes. You have all the ingredients ready to go and you just yeah. make it. Wow. And my wife looks at me, don't you get tired of that? And I go, no, mm. not at all. I bet Every day it tastes good. You move on with your day. Oh, you, she scored. Yo, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a quality pick. I'll, I'll give you that. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm oh. just saying that the barrier to entry <laughs> with you, very low. All you got to do is give you a salad that you can eat for five years. Well, yeah, I like, guess. Like, do you ever just sit there and say, hmm, maybe just a sandwich today? No, it's the other way. I actually kind of stress out when it's not the salad. Jeez. Like, why do I have to eat something else? See, Ben, this is what can happen to people. This this is you... – This is the low point of human existence. Mm-hmm. I, I get comfortable in the rut that other people try to avoid. People don't want to get into you a rut. You love yourself a good rut. <laughs> I love a good rut. <laughs> that, that, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. It's like, yeah, it just is boring, it seems like. Well, to people who don't want to be there. Do you ever run out of like taco meat and you're like, ah, yeah, I can't eat. Yeah. Then, then it's a struggle because you have to find something to replace it with. Well, like, what, what, do you, what do you do then? Sometimes I've had ham or chicken. That doesn't really work. Do you ever just break down and just cry? No. I just kind of get mad because we ran out of ingredients. See, what's funny is you actually do it. I would kill to have the same thing every day to eat. Like, But the problem is I yet to be more organized to do that. Well, I, I have a schedule where I'm at the same place every day for lunch. Just Bonk. boom, it's there. Yeah. And not, you, not everybody can do that. The, the, the essence behind this, what's it called again? The day? The day. Today, today yeah. Today we're talking about the daily, the make your lunch count day. The idea is that you're stuck at your desk. Yeah. And in fact, it says here, it says, uh, 
They call it FOLO, fear of lunching out. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Many workers eat at their lunch at least twice a week, 73%. Oh, eat at their desk? I eat at my desk. While one-third have lunch at their desk every day of the week. That's me. So what they're saying is leave your desk and go out, and it's sponsored by a restaurant, so they want you to go there. And go spend money. Not a big deal. Hey, we gotta, we'll talk about this more throughout the day, but we also are going to be talking about 10 ways to make good decisions from the author of the book, The Destiny Formula, Choosing the Right Direction in Life. He's going to give us tools to help us choose the right direction in life. But first, we've got to get to the headlines and the news and find out uh, what uh, Joe Carson's got for us. Joe? Thank you, Matt. House Speaker Paul Ryan let America know once again in a Tuesday press conference that he really really actually is not running for president. Ryan said, I want to put this to rest once and for all. I do not want, nor will I accept the nomination of our party. Count me out. Although Ryan has already said he wouldn't be the 2016 GOP nominee, some in the GOP establishment have continued to hold Ryan up as a level-headed alternative to Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, should neither candidate get enough delegates to secure the nomination before the party's nominating convention in July. Jeb Bush, the failed presidential candidate, said he will not attend the 2016 Republican National Convention. The former Florida governor's decision to skip what is sure to be a contentious week in Cleveland comes along with several other prominent Republicans considering opting out. This year's RNC is expected to play host to potential melee between frontrunner Donald Trump and the many groups who seek to deny him the nomination. With the presidential campaign hitting a fever pitch and Donald Trump warning about riots if he's denied the nomination, some officials in the highest rungs of Republican leadership are advising their rank-and-file members to stay away from Cleveland. Next week, Senator Ted Cruz is holding a fundraiser at the Harvard Club in Manhattan, where the cost of entry is $1,000 apiece. $2,700 will get you a ticket to the VIP reception with Ted Cruz and his wife Heidi, and $25,000 makes you an event chairman. Cruz's target is Wall Street bankers, and he needs their contributions to compete with Donald Trump in the final sprint to the Republican convention. Ironically, Cruz has criticized Wall Street crony capitalism and government bailouts for rich Wall Street banks. Cruz is not popular on Wall Street, but has already taken $12 million from the financial industry. Despite his unpopularity, Cruz will probably still rake in even more campaign cash on Monday because Wall Street dislikes Donald Trump even more than they dislike Cruz. Former United States Senator Bob Graham told the Tampa Bay Times that he received a phone call from the White House on Tuesday informing him that the previously declassified 9-11 papers are set to be released to the public. The 28 pages were classified by the FBI by FBI's request, despite Graham's repeated efforts to get them declassified after learning that Saudi Arabian officials may have given money to the hijackers involved in the attack in 2001. Back to you, Dr. Townsend. Thank you, Joseph. Well done. He didn't break into laughter this time. Yeah, that might be better. I'll see if I can find more stories to make him laugh. <laughs> if we can make him laugh. Hey, uh, talk about making us laugh. Did you hear about it in North Carolina? This is... Um, North Carolina Police Department, or they're cracking down on speeders with a simple message. Obey the posted speed limit or pay a fine, hmm. even oh, if you're only on. going a bit over. Just if you're going a little bit over, you're still going to get a fine. One mile an hour over fine. the posted limit. Fine. See, most people know that the rule is seven miles an hour over. I found out it's not. Oh, really? Yeah. Who, who told you that? A uh, local highway patrolman. What did he say? He said, you're not going with the flow, as I mentioned something about going with the flow. 
I'm, I'm traffic. Just going with the flow. Yeah. And he's like, no, you're not. You're going faster than the flow. Yeah, except for the cars passing me. But that's the point of disagreement I didn't get into because it just makes it worse. <laughs> Mostly I just said yes, sir. No, sir. Is this when you started crying and he got he didn't give you a ticket? No. I did get a ticket and I did not cry. Did you try to show a little leg? No. That doesn't work for me. Maybe for you. Twice. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, I'm, I think what I'm going to do is try to seduce the police officer. Like that's a thought that has never come across my Who mind. Who pulls you over, Matt, that you can do that? Nobody. Some, I couldn't seduce a female officer. I some couldn't. feel that five miles an hour over is okay. Yeah. But even that, you could get – I go – I was telling you, I go about two miles an hour over. But see, so I was driving in a 70-mile-an-hour zone. Then, it, So I was driving 75. And then we got to the 75 mile an hour zone and I went 80. And I got to the 80 mile an hour zone and I went 85. Yeah. Never got a ticket. Right. Did you feel like at 85 you were going too fast? No. No? Okay. But I was thinking, boy, if I went to 90, I'd have to go 95 if there was a 90 mile an hour speed limit. But I Mm. think you can go five over. Okay. Well, until someone pulls you over and tells you you were going five over. There's a point where it doesn't. It's not worth it, I guess, to the police officer to pull you over. Yeah. And right. so there's – I don't know what that is. Well, and it might just be really – like you were probably going with the flow but swerving. No, I was just driving along. I wasn't you were probably it. making your salad. Eh. <laughs> you were the, probably cooking your, freeway. cooking your taco meat yeah. for your taco salad on the Had a little hot plate that yeah. plugs into sure. that lighter. You I still do that. Yeah, you were talking about how you plug it into your lighter. I wasn't distracted. <laughs> It's funny. Um, I was focused. But I wonder if this is going to stick in North Carolina because – They came out after that story was printed, backed it up to two over the posted speed limit. Well, that's dumb. Now it's just <laughs> 72 miles an hour. Yeah, I know. You can't win. It's no. better to just not say anything. Yeah. Just don't say anything. Just go the speed limit. You've got the law behind you. You can pull someone over at 72 and, and ticket them. Don't speed. If that's what you want to do, ticket people at 72. Hey, um, how about this one? South Koreans. Now, if somebody dropped $20,000 in front of you and it's just flying everywhere, let's say, yeah, um, would you pick it up? I don't know. In South Korea, a, a woman threw $20,000 in cash into a downtown walkway and no passerby stopped to pick up the money. Nobody touched it. Nobody's going near it. Here, there's like mob swarm mentality there. Eh, Nobody touched it. And it's like weird. Like how come nobody would go pick up – would you – you would, Ben. If somebody dropped right here in front of BYU Broadcasting, 20K, 20,000 in bills. There would be elbows. There would be biting. (laughs) Yeah. And that's that's just if you're picking it up yourself. (laughs) Right? You'd just be like – <laughs> Find out it's your leg. <laughs> uh, if other people were coming at it, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> then you'd run away. <laughs> then you'd run away. That's scary. These other people are better. They they don't do it. Apparently, it's against the law to pick up abandoned cash. But then others were fighting, saying, "No, she throws it over willingly. It's not abandoned. The cash is still probably there in South Korea. Could be, unless somebody came by with a, a broom and swept it up." She was just being nice. No. Can a person not throw $20,000? Different different rules of society, I guess. Yeah. So, 
So a little note. Remember, we try to do what we can to help you in any way we can. If you are heading to South Korea and somebody throws money and they have willingly abandoned the money, get your wheelbarrow. Well, I think the moral of the story is she threw it away because she didn't want her ex-husband and son to get it. Okay. And so... But but you would not have known that. True. But if, if you like pit these people against each other, then they're more likely to throw their money away. That's all I'm saying. It's a great point. Interesting. It's kind of a dark point. It is. Not really the point I was going for. Right. But anyway, if you needed a dark point, um, one way to get money is to pit people against each other. (laughs) Like pit mom and dad against each other. Wow, you're only giving me $10 for allowance? That's funny. My mom always gives me 20. Can we take this discussion to a happier place? Yeah. Where is that happier place? Is it, is it happy for everybody? It might be happy for just me, but okay. we'll see. Uh, yesterday, a uh, convention in Vegas. It's oh, called it, yeah. CinemaCon. Okay. They, 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 lo- is it like Cinnabon? No. CinemaCon. So movies. Like okay. cinema. Yeah. So what it is is owners of movie theaters come to Vegas and mm-hmm. all, the, all the big movie houses show all their upcoming releases Ooh. and things to get people excited Do people for the dress summer. up like the parts? No. These are the people that own the theaters, not okay. the people going to the theaters. So they smell like popcorn. Maybe. Okay. Uh, some of the, the releases that interested me, which yep. is really what this is all about, uh, the next Spider-Man movie, uh-huh. It's uh, they, got, they gave it a title. It's called Homecoming. <sighs> okay. The Good. idea- uh, There's going to be a movie with Spider-Man in it. Spider-Man. Okay. In it. And, and then they, they showed a scene. Peter Parker trying to find his way home. A new slice of footage shown on stage featured a teenage Parker literally coming home to find his Aunt May, played by Marisa Tomei, speaking with Tony Stark- about joining the Avengers or okay. is he? Okay, that's interesting. Okay. So that's interesting. Okay, good. So that's that's the only one that's worth talking about. That'll come out next year. Okay. Uh, ben Affleck, Affleck, who, who was ba- Affleck's the insurance Batman in Batman versus okay. Superman. Yeah. They announced that there will be a standalone Batman movie. <sighs> he will direct and star in this movie. Okay. Possibly to be released November ben 1st of 2019. Bugs me. He, he broke up with the beautiful Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Yeah. It was mutual. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. Okay, but I'm just saying. I feel but bad for her. There'll be another Batman movie, which is, which is kind of cool. I kind of like the Jennifer Garner angle. Um, also, they released the Doctor Strange trailer. Okay. That movie comes out in November. Now, what's that about? He is the Sorcerer Supreme of this realm. What and, realm? And the realm of us, this realm that we live in here. And he defends this realm, realm from evil forces. That sounds with, strange. With magic. And it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, I like him. Sherlock Holmes is Doctor Strange. Why don't we just do Sherlock Holmes, not do Doctor Strange? Because Doctor Strange will be better. He has magic. Those remind me of cartoon characters. They are. They're called comic books. Ugh. So that was that's all you got out of that. There well, weren't there, any other good some, movies. There's some other movies, but those are good. You got Spider Man, Batman, and Doctor Strange. You can't have much better than that. Well, sure you could. What? Um, a good war movie? Nope. Anything involving the troops? Nope. How about a love story? Nope. That'll come out in August when no one goes to the movie theaters. <sighs> Just sort of sort of fill time until another Superman movie comes out or Spider Man or something so like sad. that. All right. Well, that's how that's how it works, Matt. No, it's good. It's all about it's comic good. books right now. Apparently, Spider Man. I feel like the news isn't being filtered. right We get Spider Man and Tony Stark in the same screen, and they're asking permission for young teenage Spider Man to come help him fight Captain America. 
And that's the Geek News brought to you by Terry South. <laughs> uh, if you're all up to date now, all of you uh, comic book, I don't know, weirdos. Not to be rude. It's just there's more to life than that, just isn't Say it? it how it is, Matt. Say it how it is. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, 10 ways to make good decisions from the author of the book, The Destiny Formula, Choosing the Right Direction in Life. It'll give you some ideas on how to uh, choose the right. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to The Matt Townsend Show. You know, life is full of big decisions, isn't it? And uh, we gotta we gotta make the biggest of all decisions. You know, day in, day out, we're constantly choosing um, how to get through the day, how to prioritize stuff, how to figure out where you fit and what you should do. So, you know, we wanted to bring in an expert that could help us uh, get better results from our choices. So that we're ending up having the best possible situations in life. Sometimes, you know, it's indecis- It's our indecisiveness that, that also gets in the way. So we uh, there's a book called The Destiny Formula, Choosing the Right Direction in Life. And it is written by our guest who's joining us right now, IODJ Awosika joins us. And he's going to walk us through some of the top 10 ways to make good decisions in life. IODJ, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Talk to me about um, decision making and 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 how you got into this this field of helping people make better decisions. Um, well, I think decisions are definitely kind of the blueprint of what either makes your life good or makes your life bad. So uh, every day we're faced with different decisions every week, every month, and every year. And if you kind of move through time and look back on the quality of your life as it stands right now, ultimately it will come down to all the choices that you've made in the past. So I kind of got into this field uh, of writing, guiding, instructing, because I wanted to help point people in the right direction. Hmm. And, uh, a lot of the readers I have, the thing that they struggle with most is uh, you know, picking out of so many different options that we have available. I mean, it's a really, a really great time that we're in right now. In the- yeah plenty of opportunities in the world, but it can almost be crippling as opposed to like liberating to have so many choices and sometimes. Yeah, we have an abundance, huh? Yeah, we have, we're almost overwhelmed, inundated by choices. Absolutely. You put together the destiny formula, I guess, as part of the formula, uh, talk to us about, about how you came up with the formula. What is the destiny formula? Okay, so yeah, the the formula I came up with uh, was drawn from a lot of the different things that I like to read and just my own experience in life that helped me find the path of uh, becoming a writer, becoming a blogger, and helping other people um, be encouraged and motivated. Uh, So the beginning of it is kind of looking into your past and looking into your childhood and just kind of going back and seeing what you're naturally drawn to. I think... uh, a lot of people kind of have this thing in their minds that they have no idea what they're passionate about, but I don't think that's true. Hmm. I think there's things that we're naturally drawn to all the time, and if you just take some time to be conscious about it, 
and kind of look at some of the things that you've done in your past and even stuff that you do on a day-to-day basis, you'll realize that uh, there are several things that you're passionate about. So I went into my past, and ever since I was a little kid, you know, I wrote poems. Uh, I was in spelling bees. So there was just this thing about words, mm. of the, the power they have, that kind of <clears throat> that kind of got me attracted to it. And I offhandedly, you know, mentioned several times that I wanted to be a writer, but I never really put it all together that, you know, kind of my calling, so to speak, was right in front of me. So that's that's kind of the process that I used to to figure it out. And it's, it's something that I've learned from other areas to kind of look back. And I sat back and thought about what do I, what do I think about most? What, I, what am I drawn to most? And, and that's where the whole writing thing came it's, in. And that's kind of the first piece yeah. of figuring out what you should be doing going forward. Well, and it is. I mean, just, I guess, come to know yourself. What are you, if you have a second to do something, what would you like to go do? What drives your your passion? I think that's that's huge. And then what's great for you is that we now are in this blogging world where writing you don't have to just write books. You can, but you can also start with just a blog and start sharing your passion and the things you, you love to do. Um, you in one of your blog entries, and um, it was uh, on Huffington Post as well. You talked about ten useful ways to help us choose the right direction in life without wasting a bunch of time. Give us a few of those um, while we have some time before the break. Uh, what what are some of the the rules you give people? to kind of get moving in life. Okay, so I think one of the the most quick and easy to implement kind of magic bullets is using a 90-day sprint plan. So let's say you're someone like me and you're thinking about this whole writing thing, thinking about this blogging thing, but you're not really sure and you don't want to be like super committed to doing it. I would suggest using that 90-day time frame to learn more about writing and blogging actually write and put your blog out there. And I think if you if you write on a consistent basis for 90 days, it's going to be pretty apparent to you if, if it's something that you like doing or mm. not. I think setting that benchmark of the 90 days is an easier way to kind of go in a direction, see if it works, and then decide if you want to move forward. Because I think people get tied down to the whole aspect of that commitment where they feel like they have to go all in on everything. And I think the best way to actually choose a direction is to make small goals, small opportunities that you're looking into, and then just give it a trial run for a while. If not, maybe you were, you know, close to what it was, but it's a little different. Like, for example, one of the avenues um, I learned through taking some different strengths tests was uh, to be in journalism. And I quickly, you know, just after doing some research about it, decided that I didn't want to go into that range and I wanted to move kind of towards the author blogger range. And mm. it's kind of in the same broad category, but you can you can go in a certain direction and you might be close, but maybe it's, you know, not exactly what you were looking for. So at the end of that 90 days, you can review, see, you know, what you thought it was going to be like and then what it actually turned out to be, and then it's easier to make a decision going forward after that. Right. And that's a great way to do it because what's 90 days, right? Test it. you got life. You've got time. Figure it out. Yeah, and it's easy, it's easy to do in, in 90 days because, you know, there's not that commitment. And I think, you know, the irony in people not wanting to make decisions or not trying to do new things is that 
you'll spend, you know, 10 years, you know, not making a decision as to what you want to do, and then you kind of fall under the influence of whatever you happen to be doing, like a job. Maybe you don't like just to pay the bills, but you haven't made a decision to do anything else, so you're kind of stuck in that same place. And Mm. the longer you stay stuck and don't try new things, the harder it is to get out of it. So I'm definitely one for experimenting as much as possible. So you have four different... You have four different things you could try in a, in a span of a year. So that's 40 different things in 10 years. And I, I feel like if you bounce around long enough, you'll definitely definitely find something that yeah. you want to pursue. You'll also yeah. narrow it down, right? You'll get closer yeah. and closer to what you like. And um, it, I mean, it really is. It's it's just it's just kind of take it on and, and start testing stuff. Let's take a break um, and, and come back and continue to discuss this with Io. He, um, again, has a website, a great website, thedestinyformula.com, where you can read his blog and find out uh, about his uh, ultimate reading list and other great tools on there. We'll come back and continue to discuss 10 useful ways to choose the right direction in life. Stick with us, folks. Helping you uh, lead your life to a healthier, happier place. This is The Matt Townsend Show. back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. If you feel overwhelmed or even underwhelming yourself because you just don't know which direction to take in your life, you might want to go check out thedestinyformula.com or get the book, The Destiny Formula, Choosing the Right Direction in Life. It's written by Iodiji Awosika, and he's the author and also a blogger on the site and is here today to talk to us about an article he wrote about uh, 10 useful ways to choose the right direction. Um, Io, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Mm, thanks for having me. Great to have you back. And um, one of the things you've been teaching us is sometimes you just got to get started and try some stuff, take a little 90-day test. You also mentioned that you should kind of go with what you like to do, but I guess simultaneously you can start with what you hate. That was one of the things you mentioned in your 10 useful uh uh, ways to choose the right direction is sometimes it's easier to know what you don't like than it is to know what you do like. Absolutely. And I actually learned about that concept from um, a guy named Charlie Munger. He's the uh, vice chairman of a large investing company. And he talked about the process of inversion. So, you know, a lot of people go out and they're looking for like what they should do. But he said the best way to figure out how to live a successful life is just to look at everything uh, that will lead to failure and just avoid that. Hmm. And that's a that's a good way I think to look at to look at what you do on your path or what you do for a living. So like if you're if you're the type of person who hates you know being behind a desk, maybe look for a job where you can be out interacting with people or doing something else. And I think a lot of people will settle for jobs that they really dislike just for the pay. And I don't even think that you need to do a complete overhaul of your life to start moving in the right direction. But at the very least, you don't have to do things that you despise doing. Like, for example, I back a couple of years ago when I was, you know, not in a great place, I worked in an electronics factory for 12 hours a day Mm. with these people who, you know, there's basically death on their faces because they just... (laughs) They're you know, trapped. I hated what, 
yeah, they're just trapped and hated what they're doing. So I feel like if you, if you go a long time and you really are not feeling it, you need to at least, if you can't make that transition right away, at least start thinking of other ways that you can change, mm. maybe applying for a new place while you're at your old place, you know, working on your side business or side project while you're still doing your job. So I definitely, I'm definitely a big believer in avoiding things that you hate, you know, yeah. that's it. to and I'm doing that. Well, and that's a great – it's great advice. I have a son that um, he really is kind of more of a healer type of personality. He'd be a great therapist probably or um, a coach or a teacher or something. But he has friends that are all salespeople and they keep trying to sell him on being a door-to-door salesman and you know, just for the summer. And the funny thing is is he, he actually gets sold every time. Oh, OK. That's a good idea. <laughs> And then he gets into it a little bit and he, he keeps forgetting what he's really good at. So he, he, we just all – all of us need to remember what we don't like doing and what we, we do like doing. Another thing you talk about um, that might help is interviewing people that are, I guess, in the job. You, you suggest go interview 10 people who are already doing what you want to do. Yeah, and the thing about it is um, it's not it's not that hard to reach out to people even if – you know, what you're pursuing is, you know, something maybe others consider lofty. Like if you're trying to be a popular blogger or author, actually, if you reach out to these people, it, they'll more than likely respond because a lot of people who are in a position of, you know, success realize where they came from. So they're usually, uh, you know, if they have the time, they're more than willing to kind of talk to you about what it's like and, you know, really, really ask them questions. Don't just ask them, you know, what the good parts about it are ask them what they struggle with ask them you know some of the challenges that come along with it you know people are people and people like to especially when they're in a higher position people like to share advice everybody likes to you know give their two cents and share some wisdom with some somebody who's you know a little behind on the path so there's it's very easy to reach out to 10 people and you know ask them and it can really give you a clear idea of if it's something you want to pursue even right then and there, like maybe you talk to some of them and they all are facing similar things that you don't, that you don't think would work for you. So then that's another way to eliminate things without even, you know, having to go through the 90 day sprint. So interviewing people is definitely a great way to to get the information from people who are actually doing it. Do you, um, I know one of the things that you talk about a lot is um, kind of the worldview statement. Now, I, I used to kind of call that a mission statement, but what, what do you mean by create a worldview statement? Yeah, the worldview, the worldview statement is just like what you believe about the world that, you know, so I put it as, uh, I actually got this from another uh, successful author, Jeff Goins, and it's that, you know, all blank should blank. So it's just kind of your your kind of motto as to what constitutes, you know, maybe a successful life or a way to live a good life. And for mine, you know, I put all people should, you know, use their natural talents and strengths to be a successful person. Because I think um, not only does going with your strengths help you feel more fulfilled, it's, it'll help you actually advance, you know, a good way, a good way to stay broke and unhappy is to do things you're not good at. And there's a lot of people who, are doing things that they're not good at and it's, and it's not rewarding for them. And I think, you know, regardless of what your worldview is, you just don't want to be 
a vanilla person. You don't want to be a lukewarm person. You want to be, you want to have some kind of way you see the world and so that you can find other people who feel the same way and, you know, find like-minded people and, and you help them build community that way. Mm, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, and to have kind of a concept, uh, I think it was Nietzsche. Somebody said it's easier to say yes when you ha- – it's easier to say no when you have a deeper yes burning inside. So sometimes you need to know what your your deeper yeses are or you really can't – you can't sort through the million choices we've got to make. Yeah. And I mean even take, you know, take you for example. Like just from what I can tell, I mean I can't say maybe your statement verbatim, but it seems like you're the type of person who believes that all people – should strive to use communication to build strong relationships. Yeah, no, exactly. Leaders, so you can you can kind of see your worldview statement behind the actions and behind the things you do with your with your show and your coaching and your products. You know to help people build better relationships and become leaders. So all that comes out from you know if you were just a person who didn't care about anything and didn't have any view, you know it would be hard for you to come up with something. Right. As great as you have right now. Well, and and it, and I guess the, the neat thing about life too is as you go and as you age and more things happen to you, your your life view can tighten up and you know can maybe even become elevated and higher and higher. And I mean, the key is, wouldn't it be great? And this is, I guess, key to what you're teaching us is to be able to tell our children in a line what we're about, you know, and and yeah. and be able to then from that line that they could go back and look at our lives and say, holy cow, dad became what he said was important. I mean, that's really what this is about. Yeah, and I think people are really worried about, you know, kind of the fear of missing out things. So they don't want to pick, they don't want to pick a direction. They don't want to pick a stance because, you know, they feel like they'll be closed off to other options. But, you know, my... My worldview statement is, you know, using the natural talents and strengths to be successful. And I also like to use words to impact people. So whether it's, you know, speaking uh, on shows like this or writing or writing more books or blogging, like I'm, I'm in that same, that same lane and I can continue to hone my voice and hone my words so that, you know, if I'm on a specific path for a long time, you know, the, the skills keep increasing and, and, and it's not scattered. So once you find... Once you find that position, you know, after, you know, whatever length of period you need that self-discovery, but, you know, when you're pretty sure, you can continue to go forward and, you know, every decision you make can go through that prism. So it's not, it's not hard to, it's not hard to live. So like if I, if I'm looking for a, a new opportunity and, you know, it's something that is not aligned with my strengths. Not that you want to avoid everything that you're bad at and not, you know, sure up some of those weaknesses. But if it's really not in my wheelhouse, you know, it's not going to help me in my ultimate mission. Mm. So it's easy to say no to. Yeah. No, I think it's great advice. And and for all of us, just to be thinking of different ways, different techniques to do this. IODJ Awasika, thank you so much for your great work. And everybody, go check out the book, The Destiny Formula, or just go to the website, thedestinyformula.com. A wonderful resource for all of us. We... Uh, we got a lot to do, and yet you don't have to do it all today. Just take a little step here, a little step there. We'll also post links to all of this, these sites and information on our Twitter feed, at Dr. Matt Show. Now, we'll take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. 
Welcome back, friends. We're going to go down now to where the demons hide. <laughs> According to Imagine Dragons, go visit our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Uh, today it's Spencer and Jason. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. Did Hello. you just call us demons? This is where the demons hide. Studio B. Do we own up to that or not? I don't know where our friendship Did I go too far? Goes from here. Did I take it too far? Ugh, blasted. I took it too far, didn't I? Okay, you're not demons. You are your sport, your BYU, your BYU Sports Nation demons. No, it's not working. Probably just stop while you're Yeah, I'm just going to stop it right there. Hey, okay, two things we got to talk about. Are the Warriors going to do it tonight? Yes. Don't you think like a no-brainer yes? Yeah, it's I don't going to be a party. Any way that the Golden State Warriors don't win tonight's game. They have a 91% chance, according to ESPN's <laughs> Basketball Power Index, to win tonight's game at home against the playoff team in Memphis. 91%. Yeah. That's like, it's almost like they're discounting. Are they discounting the Memphis? I mean, got to be careful. Well, everybody wants to look at the fact that, well, look, they lost in the last couple of weeks. They lost to Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they lost to the Boston Celtics. They are not losing this game. They will not lose this game. This is a chance to make history. You have the best player in the NBA on your team in Steph Curry. You might as well just go ahead and put that down as a W. Oh, wow. 73-9. and That is huge, isn't it? Do you remember when we were like thinking this could maybe happen? It just sounds dumb, really. Tonight it's happening. It sounds fake almost. It's crazy talk. Totally. 73 wins? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's like Little League. Yes. This is like a Little League sweep. Golden State is the Little League bully powerhouse team. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry's like that kid in Little League that looks like he has a child and a mustache. <laughs> but he does have a child. Yeah. And, and we're not in Little League anymore. No. Okay, I got to ask you this too. So did you guys see uh, out on the interweb, there is a viral YouTube going around about a girl whose brothers teased her and she, she had just had her teeth, her uh, wisdom teeth taken out. And she was under the influence of medication. Uh-oh. And then the brothers were bringing her home, and they pretended like there was a zombie apocalypse happening. Oh, no. I've heard about this. I have not seen it. I you have to got to go this. find it. It's on our Twitter page. It is, it is huge. But here's what they did. They teased her. We played it last hour. But she's drugged up, and then this, this emergency message comes up saying that basically there's a virus out there spreading, and people are now infected and now turning into cannibals. And she hears this, and she can't believe it. So these brothers are now – they pull up to the house. They say, you wait here because you're, you're sick. Just wait here. We'll go load the car with stuff. And they kept running back to her and asking her questions, okay? So I'm going to, I'm going to play a part, and then I'm going to ask you the same question. Her okay. first question they asked her is, okay, we can only take the cat or the dog. So um, which one do we take? Which pet? The cat or the dog? The cat, you oh. idiot! Okay. No! What do we do with the dog? Okay, I'll forget the cat. Mom said we're leaving the dog. Isn't that Okay, that's fine. Okay. Okay, so so the cat. That is so sad. The cat. She's like, so sure. You take the cat, you idiot. The dog's already dying. (laughs) Okay, so which would you take, Spencer, cat or dog? Oh, in that case, with her logic, absolutely. You got to go with the cat. cat. Yes. No, but see, cats aren't loyal. 
Cats just roam around. Yeah. I, it, I'm a dog person. Even if they're dying, huh? Yeah, you take the dog. Yeah, I, I love dogs, dog. too, but we are the BYU Cougars, and technically the Cougars are, are part cat. of the feline mm. family. If I had a cougar, I would take it. Brilliant logic. <laughs> a regular, just normal cat? Nah. Here, not a fan. Here's another one. Um, they ran back and they said, okay, which cake do we take? The Funfetti or the chocolate? Listen to this. Milson. We can only take Fun Betty or chocolate cake. Which one it's do we take? Fun Betty. Do you want Fun Betty or chocolate? Why would you not? Which? No, Millicent. This is important. <laughs> this will be what we're living off of. Which one? Fun Betty, chocolate. <laughs> She's like, why does it matter? There's zombies out there. Does she remember any of this? I want. We don't know. They're gonna need to do another video. Would you guys go with Fun Betty or chocolate? I'm it, a Fun Betty guy for man. sure. Hey, if for no other reason than there's gonna be. A lot of things that aren't fun about the zombie apocalypse, I'm going to need something to brighten my day. So I'm going Funfetti. <laughs> yes. You guys, your logic's is. incredible. One more. They, they asked her if we should go to Costco and listen to her reply. Hopefully you can make sense of it. Do you think Costco, should we go to Costco first? No, it's going to be a bloodbath in there. It's, it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> She's probably right. She's probably right. Yeah. During a zombie apocalypse, should one go to a Costco? There are two places you should absolutely avoid during a zombie apocalypse. Walmart and That's, Costco. Let's be honest, though. It could be a bloodbath just on a normal Tuesday afternoon. Right. Oh, yeah. Now, it's you go a to, like, Sprouts or something. Ain't nobody at Sprouts during a zombie right. apocalypse. If you need to pack up, go to the Sprouts. You know what's funny? If you, go, if you go to Walmart at night, it is kind of like a zombie apocalypse. A little bit. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes I'm worried Oh. Like safety. It's one of the best places to people watch. Oh, totally. By the way. That's right. And to, and to cross infect. Um, <laughs> by the way, here's a uh, not at Walmart, just anywhere um, <laughs> at night when zombies are involved. So uh, what uh, what's going on your show today? You guys still doing your show? Oh, of course we are doing it. Unless the zombie apocalypse happens in the ni- next nine minutes. <laughs> I don't think it will. Well, the Studio B door is down and we can lock that. So this is like a bunker zone, yeah. like a safe yeah, zone Yeah, you're protected for us. now. Yeah. So if you need to get somewhere during the zombie apocalypse, it's all good. Studio B is a great place to be. We'll be right down. What's happening in Studio B today is BYU baseball beat Utah again, Ooh. and they crushed them fourteen to three. You mean the Pac twelve Utah? The Fighting Pac. Are they in the Pac twelve? I think they're in the Pac twelve. Mm, I didn't know that. That's interesting. That's what, maybe that's why there are so many bumper stickers in Salt Lake City that say Pac-12. Uh-huh. I think that's where they all parked at the BYU uh, no. at the game. Okay. Weird. BYU wins 14-3. to We're going to talk to D1Baseball.com's Kendall Rogers. He's a national writer. He, had, he and his cohorts had BYU hosting an NCAA tournament regional, but they're not ranked in the top 25 in that D1 baseball poll. So we're going to talk to him about why that is and what he thinks about BYU's legitimate chances of hosting a regional at Miller Park. Hmm. Mm. Not to mention, Jason, BYU football, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, this came out yesterday, from a BYU student named Paul Saban. He works for the analytics team there. The football team is an underdog in seven of the first eight games this year. Wow. We're going to take the pulse of BYU Sports Nation and find out how much weight they're giving this poll. Yeah, yeah. Take, Take the pulse. What kind of validity? Credence. Do you put in mm. the ESPN Football Power Index? That's great. These are good. These are see. You always ask riveting questions. Yes, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the show? Caitlin Larson of BYU Softball on a game day. It's another in-state rivalry tonight, live on BYU Huge. TV, starting at eight Eastern. And Ryan Hancock, former dual sports star, he played baseball, was a major league pitcher, draft, drafted anyway, 
and uh, he played quarterback for BYU in 1993 as well. Wow. Lined up again. And you, you got go. Jason Shepard. Of course. Man. Goes without saying, we have the Shepmeister That's right. in Studio B. <laughs> and and Jerem, is he's doing his mandatory service? Jerem's taking his, uh, his day off because yeah. I, I am headed to the land of Disney. Oh, please tell <gasps> really? me that you're going to do the... It's the thing we all do. The logo count for the local sports team. Absolutely. Yes. Because we crush it, let's be honest. BYU. BYU fans crush it. Oh, for sure. Yes. Disneyland and the BYU culture go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's like a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I will do that. Okay, cool. Uh, we will be there on Friday and Saturday driving down tomorrow. So right. uh, taking the four-year-old for the first time. Oh, this is going to be huge. It'll be magical. Cars huge. land. Yeah. It's going to be legit. Hey, yeah. get ready for at least a two-hour wait for that ride. Mm-hmm. I know. Make it's sure worth you're, it, though. It's make sure it. you have a new credit card, too, with a high limit. <laughs> We've got three. <laughs> okay. That'll be perfect. Sounds like fun. Have fun down there, Spence. Hey, thank you, sir. Knock them dead. Thanks, guys. Make Give it a Jeremy great show. Give a hard time tomorrow, will I will, for sure. Thank yeah, you. For sure. We'll do it. Thanks, gentlemen. Ah, the apocalypse. Watch out for zombies. I, sh- oh, I forgot to tell him. Zombies at Disneyland? Nightmare. That would be a nightmare. Let's not make that happen. Hey, uh, just as we're wrapping up the show, a postal staff at, uh, at the post office in northern Sweden found a box with a nasty surprise. They called police after discovering that a parcel appeared to behave in a mysterious way. Didn't know parcels could behave. As if there was something alive inside of it. It was not known whether the officers ever unwrapped it or not, but after some detective work, they managed to confirm the mysterious contents. 300 live cockroaches. Blah. Crawling all over each other inside the parcel, which, by the way, was equipped with air holes. Thank heavens. You don't want your cockroaches to die. Police could eventually track down the addressee who, it turned out, had ordered the insects to feed his snakes. Man. This, by the way, live audio from beds uh, from Ben's bedroom. <laughs> huh, Benny? I got the story beforehand, so I just put a mic under my bed. That's really good. It's a really good story. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. The uh, the cockroach is a scary thing because they just don't die. And we, I have lived in places abroad where we had many a cockroach. Hawaii is the same. And you get to a point where you actually, you just cohabitate. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, you, you decide which bugs you're willing to live with yeah. and which ones you're not willing yeah. to live like, with. Yeah, like I'm not going, but now that I know that cockroaches might attract snakes because this guy was going to use these bugs to, I don't. But the thing is, like, there are no snakes in Hawaii, so I never had to deal with that. There aren't? No. Really? It's because the bigger animals eat them. No. It's okay. because the geckos eat the cockroaches. Okay. Well, who eats the geckos? Or what eats the geckos? Rats. What eats the rats? Mongoose. What eats, what eats the mongai? Okay. There we go. That's what you got to worry about. <laughs> That's why we're here, folks, to help you, help you figure out. Those little facts like that. We always like to end the show on a a hero story, right? What better way to do it? And who better to be the hero than a Virginia boy who saves 10 wedding guests? Oh, at the age of 10, by the way, saves wedding guests at a bed and breakfast. 
About 40 people are safe after a fire destroyed the Rockbridge County bed and breakfast that they were staying in for a wedding. Justin Peary, the owner of the Good Place Farms bed and breakfast near Lexington, says the guests were saved late Saturday night by a 10-year-old boy, Ashton Dunford. Ashton said uh, he saw flames and began screaming to wake people up. Dunford told CBS affiliate WDBJ, It was kind of terrifying because I thought there were people upstairs sleeping because it was really late at night. Dunford said he reacted when he smelled smoke and saw the flames in a vent. I screamed to the top of my lungs, he said. I said, everyone out! Rockbridge uh, County Emergency Management Coordinator Robert Forsman said about 50 to 75 firefighters uh, had to tackle the fire all night. He said, I mean, the, the pain runs to the core of my soul and body, he said. Peary does not have insurance, but he does plan to rebuild. Lost the entire place. He believes the fire started in the furnace room, but if it wasn't for a 10-year-old Ashton Dunford, guess what? It would have been even a bigger tragedy. So, see folks, 10-year-old Ashton Dunford. If he can be the hero, so can you. Everybody out there needs a little help. Sometimes just somebody to watch out for him. Sometimes we just need somebody to, you know, lend a hand or, or just shout once in a while to keep us from being hurt. In the end, uh, we all can be heroes. That's why we do the show. We want you to see the good in the world and know that uh, you're part of that good. And we can't do the show without you. We're here every Monday through Friday, 9 to noon Eastern time. You can also find us on iTunes, on TuneIn, or get the BYU Radio app for iOS or Android. We'll be back again tomorrow, folks. Until tomorrow, take care of each other. Watch each other's back and make it a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow.